It's Super NFL Wild Card Weekend, baby. And welcome to an all-new season for 2021 of the Second City Sports Weekend Edition, Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the Insta at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter and at Keena underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from War Media. First, go to our website, weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can follow us wherever you download your podcast, including that iHeartRadio app, essentially by Simply type in that search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can also find us on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can not only listen to us, but watch us. Look alive. Look alive. Here we go. Like, share, and subscribe. Yes. Yes. Get those likes. As I, as I mentioned before, this is Super NFL Wild Card Weekend. Six games going on this weekend. Three on Saturday, three on Sunday. Since we are a Chicago-based podcast, we will f- focus in on our home team first, the Chicago Bears. There will They will travel to the Bayou to face the New Orleans Saints this Sunday at 3.40 p.m. Central Standard Time on CBS and Nickelodeon. We'll get to that Nickelodeon uh, broadcast later. <laughs> the Bears are coming in as a wild card team, the number seven seed in the NFC with an eight and eight record. The New Orleans Saints are the number two seed following the NFC South Division Championship, uh, beating out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by one game with 12 wins and four losses. And Lakina, before we start breaking this down, of course, the Saints have uh, beaten the Bears the last three times, including the last two games here in Chicago, including the latest game uh, this season back on November 1st at Soldier Field. That was a 26-23 victory by the Saints in overtime. Of course, for Chicago, Nick Foles was quarterback. He didn't have a great game, but Alvin Kamari did, and Drew Brees had a good enough game to keep himself upright. Lakina, I, I listening to everybody and their mama, as the kids would say, throughout the Chicago sports mm-hmm. landscape as I could this week. I tried to limit that. And I'll say this, for the consensus that I've got, it's a pretty uh, foregone conclusion that uh, that the Bears will, will not show up in this game. They'll get blown out. Maybe they'll do a couple things here and there. We'll give out, out our picks later, but I kind of have the feeling that the Bears will do some things. What? I don't know. But that injury report looks a little suspect to me. So give uh, everybody the latest update on the Bears injury report. Well, it's been sort of kind of confusing, right? You know, for what we were, you know, Jalen Johnson was a full participant yesterday. That's what some of the various reports are saying. You know, now they're saying Duke Shelley may be questionable. Allen Robinson has a hamstring injury. He's questionable. Darnell Moody, who, um, you know, was injured in last week's game against the Packers. Mm-hmm. Now he's questionable. So, well, and Devin Bush is out. That, that's already been, um, been announced. So it, it's a little bit kind of, it's sort of weird because we didn't hear about this injury with A-Rob, you know, the hamstring injury. So is, you know, is there something kind of funky going on there? Now, you know, like I said, Johnson was a full participant, so that helps a little bit. But it looks like Roquan Smith is out, even though that hasn't been official yet. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of the, it is sort of suspect the injuries. If you look at the injury list for the Bears and, you know, the, the injuries themselves, if it's injuries, 
you know, even though there's some that are probably keeping it secret, but it is a little bit sort of like, okay, you scratch your head, you're thinking, what's going on here? I want to focus in on Roquan Smith first. I had this thought for the last couple of days. Of course, as you mentioned, he was injured with that elbow in in the regular season finale last Sunday against the Packers. What the Bears do, especially defensively from the linebacking core, Roquan Smith is the youngest, is the best out of that linebacking core out there. You could talk about Khalil Mack, who has a Pro Bowl berth this year, but he doesn't have the stats to back it up. You could talk about Robert Quinn, who's had a disappointing year. You could talk about Danny Gervais, that he's a veteran, but he may be on his last legs as, as a Chicago Bear. But with that being said, without Roquan Smith's uh, youth and versatility uh, back there in that, in that linebacking core, this Bears defense is exposed even more. We, we all know that they have struggled uh, through the month of December. I, if he, if Roquan Smith is out for Sunday's game against New Orleans, that's going to be trouble for that Bears defense. Yes, the Saints can attack the middle if they want to, but if you can remember back uh, in the regular season matchup against the Saints, uh, what did Sean Payne, the, the, the head coach of New Orleans Saints, do? He put Alva Kamara in the backfield using screens, and Alva Kamara ran up the middle and down the sidelines. I can see Sean Payton uh, doing, doing that again, not for the whole game, but picking the spots and when to, when to do that. It's, it's, assuming that Alva Kamara plays, which I think he will, by the way. Uh, he missed last week's game at, at Carolina due to COVID. But if the, if the Saints uh, get off the ground running the ball early, it that play action pass from Drew Brees and the screen game for Alvin Kamara and a couple of, along with a couple of other running backs, uh, it's going to be a problem for Chicago. Oh yeah. Huge. And uh, Kamara already tweeted out uh, last night that he was going to play. So you know that looks like he's going to play there, but look, the bears, you know, if they give David Montgomery the ball, they keep him, you know, chugging it down the field and keep Drew Brees and them mm-hmm. off the field that maybe they might have a chance here. But like you said, I think, Look, I know the Bears, you know, they want to kind of feel like, you know, no one's respecting no one's respecting them, and they'll people say they're not belong. They want to feed off that energy fine, you know, that that's that's their prerogative. They want to play off mm-hmm. that injury. But the, the Saints are on a mission, you know, they've been knocked out in the wild card round the last two years. So they wanna it look, and this might be Drew Brees' last uh, you know, playoff run. So I think they wanna try and extend it and you know, maybe perhaps, you know, take him to the Super Bowl. I mean, look, and remember, Mike Thomas didn't play in that earlier season meeting against the Bears, so it could have been even that, – that score could even been – you know, yeah, I know that they went into overtime and, you know, this and that, but you, you wonder if, you know, Thomas was 100%. You know, he's, he's now – he was a full participant all week and looks like he's going to play. So, it, 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 look, I mean, do I think this is going to be a blowout? No, but, uh, again, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean – I mean, we'll do our picks, of course, later. But I, I feel kind of like, you know, what? yeah, I know, I know. Some people say, well, funky things happen in a wild card, and yes, that's true. You know, we see you know upset or two here and there. The the odds are probably even more now that we got six wild card games this weekend. But I, I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it happening. I don't, I don't see this game being one of those funky games, if you know, if you will. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. As we talk Bears and Saints along with the other five games through Super NFL wildcard weekend. Lakina, going back to that injury report for Chicago, of course, Cordell Patterson has missed the last couple of days of practice due to a personal issue. Hopefully everything's okay, whatever that is. Hopefully he can show up on Sunday for the Bears. Of course, he's 
the only and the best kick return on for both teams, especially for Chicago. But and of course, we all know that Matt Nagy is going to give him his occasional two to three carries. How important do you think Cordell Patterson is to this offense? I think I just gave it away. Well, you did. Well, you did. I mean, you know, field, well, field, exactly. I mean, I think you kind of gave away the playbook there. Uh, field position, I think, is important because, you know, mm-hmm. look, he's one of the best, you know, punt return guys, you know, in recent recent years in the NFL. So you need him there, you know, whatever. Hopefully, you know, everything's okay, whatever that personal issue it was with him. Because I saw that. I was like, oh, I hope it's not, you know, everything's okay in that front. But you know, you need him because if you don't, I mean, we see what happens when he's not out there in special teams. It gets ugly pretty quick. So if you, if he's not going to be out there, which I, 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 there's no reason to think that he won't be, but if he isn't, I mean, that's going to be a big problem for the Bears and special teams. Cause that's probably the one thing he actually gives them a chance to have short field position. So that's, you know, that, that's, that might be a problem there in that front, but I mean, look, do I think the Bears have a shot? Of course they do. Of course they got a shot. I mean, and this, this time of year, like I said, what he was saying, you know, funky things happen in wild card weekend. We, we've seen upsets and then whatnot. You know, we've seen it the last since the, the playoff uh, field expanded. But I, I just think that, you know, the Saints could beat you so many ways with their offense, you know, with, you know, Kamara and with Thomas, you know, and Taysom Hill, remember, I'm sure he's going to make a, an appearance, you know, during the, during the game on Sunday. So it, it's, you know, it's going to be very interesting. I think they have to – we saw what happened last week. They did the they did the time of possession thing with Green Bay, the Bears did. It still didn't do them any good. They ended up getting – still getting their butts kicked. So, it, it really – you know, you can if you're Matt Nagy, you kind of have to switch sort of, you know, think of another uh, alternative because what you when you tried the, the time of possession thing last week, it didn't work. So, yeah, you're, you're kind of like stuck in, the, in, a, in, a, in a rock in a hard place. You are, but I kind of dis- I would disagree with you slightly. I, the time possession thing did work. The, the problem was last week, going back to that regular season finale against the Packers, uh, the, the Bears' defense didn't come up with any big plays. They only had one sack on Rodgers, and, and that was it. That was the problem. I would still stick with the game plan of running David Montgomery. The, the question is for the Bears, will, and I said this last week <laughs> around the Packers game, Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet were not used enough in the passing game. They will have both of them will have to be used big time, especially if Allen Robinson doesn't play, and and Anthony Miller decides not to show up again. You know, having the bet that Darnell Mooney's injury keeps him out for this Sunday's game. Those tight ends, both of them, Graham and Komet, will be used heavily, and they should. If they're not, this Bears defense is in trouble. You just run the ball with Montgomery. Of course, the Saints are going to put them nine in the box to try to stop them, but if you don't use your tight ends, that's going to be a problem, and that goes on your head coach. Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, it's going to be very interesting to see what your know, schemes are they going to try and do. I mean, we know, look, we know Sean Payton's willing to, you know, take some chances on special teams, too, so I think the Bears got to look out for that as well. So, what what do you okay if you if you look at you know Eddie Jackson and Kyle and Kyle Fuller you know matching up with uh, Michael Thomas I'm sure it was going to be Fuller it's probably going to match up against him who do you see because you know he didn't have to you know Fuller didn't have to worry about him you know on the, in the previous meeting because he wasn't he didn't play so where do you where do you see that matchup. Yeah, if Michael Thomas plays, which I assume he will, that's going to be a great matchup, as you mentioned, going up against Kyle Fuller. But I want to focus in on Eddie Jackson, which the name you just brought up. He's had a terrible year. Yes, part of it because the defensive 
front has been inconsistent, especially this last month on pressure and sacking quarterbacks. Eddie Jackson has been taking bad angles on some plays. I know early in the season he had a couple of touchdowns taken away from him because of penalties. Yes, that happens. But it seems like something, I'm not going to say mental, but I think it's more about confidence with him and, and positioning at times with him. He needs to have a big game on Sunday to give the Bears uh, any hope in this game because, as we mentioned at the top of the show, they have uh, a few injuries uh, on that defensive front. So uh, Eddie Jackson needs to come up huge because we all know this Drew Brees rarely turns the ball over. And if, if you can force a couple of turnovers, especially early in that game, you'll give yourself a great chance to win. Well, yeah, and also, too, the time of possession. Like I said, the time possession thing, like I said before, I, I know that you know, the Bears were able to beat out the Packers and that, but like I said, you know, it didn't really do it didn't really too much any good because they scored more points than they did. So got- I think it's more important for the Bears for time possession than the Saints because the Saints are, are mirrors like the Packers. They can score just like that on a couple of plays. That's that, yeah, that is true. That is true. That I, I, you know, like I said, I think they may have to, you know, switch the plans up a little bit, but. As far as the defenses, I mean, like you said, not having not it looks like we're not going to have Roquan Smith out there for the Bears. I think that's huge for that front seven because he can slow, you know, he can slow offenses down. You know, he he did it for myriad of times, you know, throughout the season. Now, as far as the safety defense, we'll talk more about this with Ross in a little bit. But what do you think? Because they they actually started to kind of get it together as a, you know as the season went went on, you know. Cam Jordan, you know, he had that, you know, he had that had that snap, you know, that snap foo, if you will, a couple of games ago. He's been a little bit more disciplined, you know. Norris Jenkins, you know, Ma- Malcolm Jenkins, no relation, has had, you know, and also Marshawn Lattimore has been more of a factor in the secondary too. So, you know, what do you think about the Saints defense and how they can match up against the, the Bears offense? I want to see how this Bears offensive line plays against uh, better defensive fronts. You're going to see that this Sunday with the Saints. As you mentioned, Cameron Jordan, going back to the regular season matchup, he had one sack against Nick Foles, but the the Bears held him pretty much in check. Of course, we all know that the Bears offensive line has had issues injury-wise all season long. Uh, This group of no-name guys have been playing great for the last month. Let's give them credit for that. I wanted to see if they're going to double-team Cameron Jordan or whether they just play schematically on him. Now, as far as the secondary is concerned for the Saints, it's led by C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Of course, he, he likes to talk trash, go ask Javon Wims and Allen Robinson the last couple years that the Saints beating the Bears here in Chicago. During those games, of course, LaShawn Lattimore, he takes chances uh, on the ball uh, on the defensive back spot. Of course, Malcolm Jenkins is is a veteran. He's won the Super Bowl a couple years ago with the Eagles. So uh, this Saints secondary – even though it, it it may not be sexy to some people, they can make plays and they are very physical. So they're going to give the Bears receivers all they can handle. Hey, and we'll see what, how Trubisky does against a more competent, you know, defense here because we've seen him against, you know, the the not the weak and you know subpar defenses. But I want to see him ha- see how he does this against. You know, a, a pretty good defense. I mean, they're, okay, they're not like top five, but you know, they're definitely in the top ten overall. And I, and I think that this is going to be the big test for them. And also, and also too, I mean, Latavius Murray will also be a factor here in the in the running in the running back. Yeah, the big game against the Bears last year uh, in that blowout. That was when Teddy Bridgewater was with them. 
Yeah, he did. So. Of course, Hakeem Hicks was missing for the Bears, too. I just that, – that kept entering my mind this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he could be he could be a factor, too. I'm sure they're going to switch, mm-hmm. switch Kamara, or Kamara around and stuff like that. So he, he too, might be a factor. So you remember, he actually played very well, you know, for a couple of years when he was at Minnesota. So, you know, yeah. he, he actually likes playing the Bears defense So because he actually can kind of, you know, he can maneuver, he can, you know, go straight up the gut and all that. So. Mm-hmm. He can. De- he definitely, you know, will be a factor there for the Saints' offense. Like, like I guess I will talk to more about that Ross in a little in a little bit. But you know, to finish up, you know, our, our Bears preview. Uh, what do you think? Who do you who do you trust more? Do you trust? I'll, I'll give you some choice. Do you trust the Bears' offense or the Saints' defense? And the second for it, do you trust the Bears' defense or the Saints' offense? I will trust more of the Saints' offense, and as and. <laughs> I just trust the Saints more all around. Yes, give the Bears credit, especially offensively the last month of the season. Matt Nagy has actually committed to running the football, and David Montgomery has shown that he can put up better stats when you give him more opportunities to carry the ball. But as of right now, I trust the Saints more because of their experience and they have a better talent all up and down their roster. So I trust the Saints a little bit more. Like you mentioned, we'll get into our picks later, but going into this game, it favors the Saints on paper. But it's any given Sunday, especially during this year of 2020, anything can happen. Oh yeah, sure, absolutely. Like I said, like I said about the wild card, the various that that that's came out since the you know, the 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 playoffs haven't expanded. You know, we've seen at least one. There've been at least one game where I think you know really that happened. So, like I said, will this be the game? Maybe, maybe not. But I just think mm-hmm. that I just don't think that's gonna happen. Like I said, we'll we'll do our picks in a little bit. Um, the aspect of it of this from before we go into the rest of the the wild card games, it's also not only going to be on CBS, but it's also going to be simulcast on Nickelodeon. Um, Noah Eagle, if the name the last name sounds familiar, yes, he is uh, the son of you know the great Iron Eagle. You know Noah, you know went through Syracuse like his dad did, and he's actually been. I think he, I believe he does Clippers games if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Taken, I, I think so. You know, now he's going to be doing a game with, I think, a couple of stars from the new all that. I don't have their names, but I think they're doing – I think he's going to be doing the games with them, and I think someone else is going to be doing the satellite reporting. This is actually a cool initiative that they're doing because, you know, CBS and Nickelodeon are, 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 are uh, you know, uh, broadcast mates because, you know, the, the CBS Viacom, <laughs> the Viacom merger. So mm-hmm. I, I actually like what they're doing because, you know, the, the, uh, the participation in youth football has down a little bit in recent years. So – people are, you know, the CBS people feel that maybe using this as an opportunity, you know, seeing, you know, showing that, you know, that, look, football's fun. You know, I think they're going to do, like, animation and stuff like that. They might have slime involved. You know, I think the way they're doing it. <laughs> Double there, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, back in the day, I mean, look, we were, you know, I was, you know, talking to our good friend Layla Rahimi, and we were, we were kind of, because we're all the same age, we're kind of reminiscing, we were reminiscing mm-hmm. about, like, you know, some of the various shows that came on. Like, 80s and 90s, Nickelodeon was the best. Yes. You know, of, you know, and I'm sure, look, you know, I'm sure you agree, Sid. I mean, look, Legends of the Hidden Yeah, Ten- Double Dare, Wild and Crazy Kids, the original oh, yes. version of all that. Yes. Yes, yes. Legends of the Hidden Temple. I mean, oh, my God. I want, I wanted to be on that show so bad back in the day. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, that show was awesome. Salute Your Shorts was a, you know, a really good comedy. And, mm-hmm. hey, dude, I mean, look, some of the other, you know, we can go on and on about it, but we won't. But uh, mm-hmm. what do you think about what they're doing, what CBS and Viacom, what they're doing here? Yeah, it's all about getting out that content, refreshing the content for a new generation, for a different audience. We all know the NFL is king right now in the sports world, especially in these United States. And also Nate Burleson from the NFL Today on CBS yes. will be part of the call as well. So 
uh, anything to boost those ratings to help uh, uh, put out content and, and generate a, a revenue, of course, and generate a new audience. Uh, why not? Well, yeah, exactly. And I think if you look at you know Nick Jr., I'm sure I think. Well, I think I'm sure if you got if you if probably you got young kids, I'm sure you'll see the Paul Patrol gang. I'm sure. Uh, I don't know if Dora the Explorer is still prevalent, you know, on, on Nick Nick Jr., but I'm sure you'll see some of the appearances from some of their characters too. So. I like what they're doing. I mean, look, you got Noah Eagle and Nate Burleson, you know, going to be doing the games, calling the game, and I'm sure they're going to be, like, you know, some of the Nickelodeon stars will probably be doing mm-hmm. some various appearances. So this is, pre- this is pretty cool for the kids. And I, I heard some some parents say, well, you know, our kids don't watch Nickelodeon as much as they used to. But, you know, this could be like a nice little thing to kind of boost those, you know, boost those ratings up among the younger younger kids. Yeah, it's interesting to see what those ratings are going to be um, when they come out on Monday. Yeah, absolutely. Should be interesting. Something to look out for, too. So let's talk about the rest of the wild card slate. We'll start with tomorrow's games. The first one up, you got... Saturday! Ah, yes, the the early Saturday noon slate. Here you got Indy and Buffalo. Coming into this game, the Bills have the number two seed, while the Colts are uh, back then with the number seven seed in the wild card. I think it's going to come down to the running games for both of these teams. Start, starting off with the Colts, of course, Marlon Mack was injured in the first game of the year at Jacksonville. But rookie Jonathan Taylor has picked it up, especially for, in the last couple of weeks. He finished the year with 11 touchdown runs and over 1,160 yards of rushing. Of course, on the other side for the Bills, you have Devin Singletary as, as your primary running back. But I think also, too, it's going to come down to Will the Colts' young defense create a couple of turnovers? Because if they can, it's a possibility they can pull off an upset. Of course, you know, my guy, Darius Leonard from the Colts, he's right there uh, in middle linebacker for the Colts. And also they have a couple of guys that, um, on their defensive line as well. DeForest Buckner is there as well. And he can uh, pressure the quarterback. But it's going to come down to, for the Colts, can they create multiple turnovers? If they can, they're going to give themselves a shot. On the flip side for the Colts offense, Phillip Rivers, he better not turn that football over because if he does, it's going to be a long day for him. And on the other side for Buffalo, can you still keep your foot on the pedal, especially offensively, because Josh Allen is playing the best football of his career. He has a number one wide receiver now in Stephon Diggs. And those two uh, get to clicking, especially early, it's going to be a long day for the Colts. This will look. I've been look. I've been praising the Colts defense most of this season, so yeah. I think that this will this will definitely be going to be a tough matchup for them. You know, with the you know, Josh Allen playing as great as he's been playing, and plus it's going to be a little bit of a crowd there at the Bills at Bills Stadium. I think they're saying what about? I think Governor Cuomo. I think said there's going to be about seven thousand people there. I yeah. believe. So you know, you know, I'm sure it's going to be mostly essential workers from the Buffalo area. So this is going to that's going to have, they're going to have a crowd factor. Maybe not not as loud as it would usually be, but there's going to be yeah. a crowd factor. And like it's like you said, I mean, Philip Rivers can't make any mistakes, you know, because it's going to be a long day for him. And not not like Josh Allen. I mean, that that you know that Colts defense is actually one of the top defenses in the league. We talked about uh, DeForest Buckner and also Darius Leonard too. So it's going to be very interesting to see how those matchups lie. I think the key is going to be, you know, don't make any mistakes. And try not to go too far ahead. I know, you know, I'm sure Bill says are saying, look, we want KC in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but I, I think people need to kind of slow down and take it one step at a time. Yeah. And also, too, I think it's, uh, ball control is going to be more important for Indianapolis because, as we mentioned, the Buffalo defense is on fire right now. They can score in just about any time as well. So for the Colts, 
we, if you had Coach Frank Wright, do you want to play the ball control game? Because if you do, that's going to keep the Bills' offense off the field. Absolutely. And, you know, and I'm sure, you know, look, Frank Wright knows how, how to do it. You know, he knows how to make your know, playoff uh, performances against the – Against uh against uh you know in, in overall you know he played for the Bills of course with that great mm-hmm. you know, comeback against Houston, Houston years and years ago, um but yeah this should be this should be a fun one and uh, we'll see if the Bills are going to be dancing MC Hammer to a win tomorrow. <laughs> 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 well look, look I gotta say that I commend those guys because most of them probably weren't even born when that song came out I mean that but they oh were- no. <laughs> They were getting down. Look, Josh Allen, he was getting, he's getting into it. You know, he did you know, the Stephon Diggs. I don't know if they were, I don't know if they do that at, at the club. Well, I'm sure there are no clubs open in Buffalo right now, but <laughs> <laughs> they be getting all the, you know, all the big guys were getting down too. So <laughs> we'll see if they'll be dancing um on, you know, tomorrow. Should be a fun Yeah, that old school music, you, you cannot bury. You cannot bury. It always comes back. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. We, we, we should know. We should know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Okay, let's do you know, the next matchup. This will be the third matchup for these two teams because they're, they're division mates in the NFC West. You got the Rams and the Seahawks. Um, I, I love that Sean Vevey is playing it very close to the vest on as to <laughs> as who will be playing quarterback. You know, apparently Jared Goff, even though you know he had thumb surgery, actually did practice it, but was limited. John Walford had a really you know actually had a pretty good game against the Arizona Cardinals to sort of solidify that that playoff spot for them. Um, as for the Seahawks, I mean, you know, they, they've, they've been playing better the last two weeks. Their defense is playing better. It looks like Jamal Adams will be able to play because there was some concern that, that he wouldn't be able to. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this one? This should be, a, this should be an interesting one here, especially since these, are, these two are from the same division. The key matchup for me for this game is cornerback uh, Jalen Ramsey for the Rams going up against D.K. Metcalf, the wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. Of course, D.K. Metcalf is one of the best young wide receivers in the league. He finished the year with 83 catches for 1,300 yards and 10 total uh, touchdowns. And Jalen Renzer, we all know he can get in with the best of them and get in, get in people's heads. So I'm looking forward to that matchup. But I, two things is going to come down to this game. First, the running back position, Daryl Henderson for the Rams and also Cam Akers, of course. Cam Akers did just enough against Arizona last week in their regular season finale to clinch that playoff spot and finish that record with 10-6. Of course, Henderson was out. I don't know if he's going to play this weekend or not. And also, too, for the Rams, assuming that Jared Goff will start, we all know that if the game comes down to him, he cannot do it. You saw that a couple of years ago when Todd Gurley was injured. Put the ball in Jared Goff's hands, he just cannot do it. He's not, he's not that type of quarterback. If he plays on Saturday, uh, assuming that the uh, that Seahawks defense led by uh, L.J. Collier and Bobby Wagner and some of those other veterans, if they can shut down the Rams' running game, put that ball in Jared Goff's hands because if Jared Goff has, Goff has the ball in his hands and you force him to throw it deep, he cannot do it, especially now with that injured thumb. Now, if John Walford's in there, it was easy for him to run around last week against the Arizona Cardinals, okay? And, uh, yes, it's going to be challenging to that Seahawks front seven, but – John Walford doesn't impress me if he if he plays on Saturday. So I assume that golf is going to play. If you shut down that running game, it's going to be a long day for the Rams. Even though the Rams had the defense, we'll talk about it in just a moment. But that Rams offense doesn't impress me that much without a running game. Yeah. They were able to get away with it early on, but, you know, as it went on the season, it didn't – it really didn't. 
oh, sorry, I thought I'd echo for a second. Uh, it, it really didn't, uh, didn't, you know, flash around too much for that. So, like you said, Acres, you know, has kind of slowed down a little bit. So we'll we'll see where they what they do here. And I think also too, same thing with same thing with the you know, the Seahawks. I mean, you know, we'll see how Chris Carson d- does, and you know, Carl. Mm-hmm. Charles Heisman banged up, so we'll see if he'll be able to play. Um, that that old that old line for the Seahawks have been concerning me for years. I'm a little concerned about them now. Uh, we'll see if you know Tyler Lockett. We'll see if he could be a factor. Like I said, well, you mentioned uh, Metcalf, Metcalf and Ramsey. That's mm-hmm. probably going to be a very good, that should be a very fun matchup for those of you know, who yes. want to see. That should be a lot of fun. Um, Contre Diggs, you know, for you know the the, the receiving core, you know. Matchup against the Stephen Core for the Rams. That's going to be interesting too. Jamal Adams, you know, apparently he's back to be one hundred percent. There was, like I said, there was some concern about whether or not he'll play. Like he, he's, he's assured everybody he will be able to play. They, this is his first playoff game. He's, he's not going to miss this. So, um, this should be a very, this will be a very entertaining one. And as far as golf, I mean, look, if his thumb is not one hundred percent, and if he don't at least have like establish a running game if you're the Rams, especially if you know his thumb's not you know golf thumb's not gonna it's gonna be a, a big issue. You know, Cup you know, Cooper Cup's back, which is you know that that's that's huge for golf and all Robert Woods as well. But if they can't sustain that offense, it's gonna be a long day for them. And also too, going back to that Seahawks offensive line, will they Double team Aaron Donald, or uh, will they just have some schematic schemes for him? Because that's going to be interesting. Because Aaron Donald is a beast, and he can knock over one guy, which is a one big arm swing. <laughs> and if he starts to do that with the offensive line, it's going to be a long day for Russell Wilson and crew. And also, to keep your eye on Leonard Floyd, the former Bear, now uh, in part of the linebacking core for the Rams. Yeah, it seems like he, you know, he actually has renewed his career, if you will. It did did yeah, not hear a yeah. Chicago, but he went to the. I think he finished out with nine sacks for the year. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. did. Um, but yeah, so look, I mean, look, you're happy for Leonard Floyd and what he's done. So, who do you trust? Do you trust the Saint, the Seahawks uh, defense or the Rams defense? I mean, it's definitely mm-hmm. definitely a toss up here. Of course, you know, we've got Aaron Donald. Leonard Floyd, of course, you know, Jalen Ramsey. We'll see how he does against Metcalf. That'll, that should be a, a fun one, like you've been saying. So this should be this should be a really fun. I think this will probably be the most entertaining game because these teams know each other so well since they're division mates, division rivals, I should say. So this should be a very fun one up in Seattle. And they don't have to worry about the crowd either. The Rams do. The Rams don't. So that should help. <laughs> yeah. All right. The nightcap of the Saturday slate, you got Tampa Bay and Washington. Uh, Chase Young from Washington, he's been saying he wants Tom Brady. <laughs> well, look, we know how Tom Brady does in a wild card games. He does tend to struggle when he has to play in the opening playoff week. So where do you see this matchup? One, NBC is pissed, excuse my language, because they, they don't get to showcase New York City and, <laughs> and force it down our throats. Thank you to the New York Giants not taking care of business in Philadelphia, doing what they did last Sunday night, but that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother time. Uh-huh. But America's going to get a, a, a good matchup. The Washington football team winning the NFC East with a 7-9 record. Of course, we're all familiar with uh, this person's name here in Chicago, Ron Rivera, 85 Bear, great NFL career, great NFL assistant coach, now head coach, has Super Bowl experience, taking a 2015 Carolina Panthers team to the Super Bowl before losing. But he's established a new culture there in Washington, Alex Smith, Great story. He came back early this year. It looks like he's healthy enough to play on Saturday. So I want to see what Washington does because Tampa Bay's defense is not not as bad as people want to make it out to be. 
But I want to see them establish the running game with Antonio Gibson. He, he's had a, a nice year. And let, let's see if they could get any big plays from their uh, big-time wide receivers like Terry McLaurin, even though he only had four touchdowns for the entire season. I want to see him, if he can come up big in this first playoff playoff matchup, this first playoff game, I should say, for Washington. Yeah, the, the Washington's are interesting because it looks like they may – I think Rivera, I think Ron Rivera kind of you know, mentioned that he may have to do the two-quarterback thing with, you know, Alex with the Tanner Heineke. So that's going to that's gonna be interesting in and of itself. Like I said, Taylor McLaurin and Antonio Gibson, they, they may, you know, Gibson may, he might have to, you know, you know, you know uh, carry the load, I think, especially if we're going to do the two-quarterback thing. Logan Thomas, mm-hmm. remember, he, he played quarterback when he was at Virginia Tech, so don't be surprised if he is sort of used in that, in that aspect of it. So that will be interesting there in that, in that sense. Um, Chase Young, we, uh, look, he's probably one of the best – rookie you know running well actually rookie defensive guys in the league you know the man's just a beast we we've known this for we know this for, for years now when he was at uh, ohio state um ronald darby is another one that you know that can make big plays kendall fuller mm-hmm. who's kyle's um younger brother i think he he you know can you know he makes big plays too john bostic as well has been you know really solid this season too former bear as well so and as for um as for the bucks i mean I think I think their defense is going to be sort of the you know, the thing for them. I'm not like I said. This is this isn't Tom Brady versus Rio. I know he's older now and he's 43. But look, if he you know, it will be interesting if Mike Mike Evans will be able to play. You know, there's there's actually mm-hmm. no indication whether he is. Ronald Jones, another friend that they may have to you know, they may have to sort of like chug it. You know, chug it especially if you know we'll see if Antonio Antonio Brown and of course Gronk. You know what what they do. But I think for me it's going to be the Bucks defense. If you know, Antoine Winfield Jr. I mean, as a rookie, if he can step up, um, Jordan White has another another name that kind of needs to step a little bit on defense. Of course, you have Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, Levante David. I mean, the, the name the names are there. I just think that we need to sort of see them more because for a lot of these guys, this is gonna be their first playoff experience. So it'll this is it's gonna be will, will the nerves get to some of the younger guys? That's what I'm worried about. If you're a Bucks fan. And that and that's a very good point, Lakina. The nerves getting to some of those young guys because you need to have those key veterans around to tell them what to expect and how to handle pressure situations, especially in a playoff game. Which brings me up to Tom Brady. Of course, like you mentioned, during his career, if when he plays on wild card week and he does not have a great game, can we reference to last year against the Tennessee Titans, his last game in a Patriots uniform? Mm-hmm. Can we uh, reference to 2009 against the Baltimore Ravens? And Ray Rice before his troubles, so we can go all, all uh, down the line there. But for Tom Brady, can he limit his mistakes? I know he has he, he's finished the year with 40 touchdown passes. I know it didn't look like it at times, folks, but he did finish the year with 40 touchdown passes. But can Brady uh, not turn the ball over? And the running game for the Buccaneers is going to be key too, especially if Mike Evans does not play. Leonard Fournette, it's time for him to grow up. Ronald Jones, I think this will be his first playoff game i want to see what he does there as well can that offensive line protect Tom brady because as we mentioned then washington football team defensive line is the best in the league they're young they're hovering they're gonna come after brady on saturday night oh yeah absolutely this is gonna, this is gonna be a very fun one here and i think like i said you know it's gonna be interesting to see like which part of the you know which part of both teams will, will show up because like I said, and also too yeah, and also, too, for that Buccaneers offense, will Antonio Brown show up? Because he's shown up these last three games for the Buccaneers, scoring a touchdown in each of the last three games, I believe. So let's see if he can keep his head on straight. 
Absolutely. That's good. That's going to be a fun, you know, this will be a, definitely a fun one here down in the, the DC area. This should be a fun one. Also, let's go to the Sunday, the Sunday of wildcard games. You got Baltimore and Tennessee, a rematch of last year's division, uh, divisional uh, uh, playoff um, where we all know what happened. And I'm sure that Baltimore wants to exercise those, those playoff demons, if you will. And everyone said that you know, the Baltimore is probably the most dangerous team, but we've seen that the Titans can be pretty dangerous too. So this should be a fun one here. Where do you see this game? It's going to come down to the running game for both teams. First for Baltimore quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Can he not turn the ball over like he did a, a year ago? And also too, my guy, rookie running back, K, uh, uh, D, um, K, Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins, thank you. J.K. <laughs> Dobbins. This will be his first playoff game. Can he hold on to the rock and pile up the yards? We all know that Tennessee Titans defense is not as good as people think. It's not as bad as people think, but it's not as good rankings-wise. So I want to see if the Titans defense can create a couple turnovers. If they can, like they did in last year's playoffs, like they did early in the season when they beat the Ravens in Baltimore, uh, they, they, they'll they have a bigger edge over Baltimore. Coming to this game, they won their last two games against the Ravens, so they have an edge right there. But Baltimore is just not turning the ball over. We all know that on the defensive side of the ball for Baltimore, their secondary is pretty good, led by Marcus Peters. But can they pressure Ryan Tannehill and force a couple of turnovers? And can they shut down Derrick Henry? If they do those two things, they'll win. I think Calais, look, having Calais Campbell there, I think that helps a little bit too in slowing, perhaps having to slow down Derrick Henry, which is what they're going to have to do. Because mm-hmm. remember, he didn't play in that, that first meet, that first, well, the regular season meeting earlier, you mm-hmm. know, earlier this, this season. Pernell McPhee has had a good year as well, former Bear. Um, he's still playing? <laughs> yes, he, yeah, I know, right? I mean, yeah, we haven't heard from him in a minute, but he's still, look, he's actually been pretty productive. He's giving them checks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, Marcus Pierce is probably going to be, you know, he's probably going to have to first some turnovers. He's going to be up against um, Antonio, um, shoot, uh, I forgot, that, the kid the kid from uh, the Times. I forgot his name for a second. <laughs> We're both having brain farts today, but uh <laughs> But uh, look, I mean, I think the defense is going to be a factor. Look, we had Kaylin Anderson on when they when the Titans played the Bears, and look, we said that that Titans defense again not flashy, you know, the you know, rankings wise, they're not the best. But look, they're opportunistic when they they and you know when they get it, and I think that they're going to try it again because they were able to do it in their in their in their first meeting with the Ravens, the regular season meeting. I should say, you know, Malcolm Butler still still around. Uh, we'll see if Vidori Jackson will be able to play this weekend. Desmond Kane too. So it, look, this is going to be one of those things mm-hmm. where look, can it's hard to beat a team three times in a row, especially within the last mm-hmm. year. And it's hard to be a be a team twice in the NFL, especially if you're it's an interdivisional or inter interconf you know interdivisional matchup. So I'm like I said, we'll, we'll hold off our picks, but I'm expecting something different here. I don't know why, but you, know, you got Pierce going up against AJ Brown. You know the but he's but he's mm-hmm. been banged up too. So. Could be very interesting though in this matchup. Yeah, it should be as you will say, Lakina, those nine, six games. Maybe it's a seventeen ten game when it's all said and done. Probably. I mean, I'll and like I said, I mean it's gonna be you know, it doesn't like weather. I'm looking at the weather forecast for uh Nashville. It doesn't like weather won't be an issue. So you know, that that's you know, that that that's a good that kind of even things out. So should be watch those watch that game will probably have the both of them score in the thirties. <laughs> probably, yeah. Might, but that might happen too. It might be a thirty <laughs> Might be 35-30 or something like that. Who knows? Um, another team that's going to be playing each other again, and they just played last week because they're division mate, 
division mates. The Browns and the Steelers. Browns making their first playoff appearance is 0-2. Um, Big Ben will, will play, and so will the other starters who did not play in last week's game. Where do you see this? If you're Pittsburgh, throw last week's game tape out the window because you know that this Cleveland team is going to be a different team, plus the team that you fielded out there last week. Excuse me, it's not going to be the same team come Sunday night. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, you do, do not want the game to come into his hands, especially given his age and at the stage of his career. He's older. He can't run around like he did when he was in his 20s. That means you're going to have to run the football with James Conner and Benny Snell Jr. like they did early in the, in the season. Now, on the other side of the ball, Pittsburgh's defense, especially without Dupree now, who got injured a few weeks ago, now he's out for the year. How are you going to pressure Baker Mayfield? If you could force a couple of turnovers on him, if you could stop that run again with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, that would give you a great chance to win. For some reason, I Pittsburgh's defense, <laughs> I think they're going to struggle in this game. Now, they may come out with a win, but it's going to be some challenging spots during this game where they need to make a play. Will, will they be able to make those plays? And that's going to be the, the thing, right? I mean, look, we look, you know, as soon as Dupree was hurt and he was gone for the year, they started giving up a lot of points at defense. Mm-hmm. We saw, look, we saw what happened. They had to come back against Indy. They had to, they had a couple other games where they gave up a lot of points, you know, those last couple, last few games of the season. So I, I think this is going to be the, the sort of like the, the thing here. Now, what will, what will happen? And, I'm I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of a little concerned. If, you know, I think Steelers fans should be a little bit concerned about their defense. I mean, this could be like one of those you know thirty, you know, maybe not thirty, but maybe like twenty in the twenties, maybe twenty-seven, twenty-four, or something like that. I think I think the Steelers would do just just enough to win, especially since with all the COVID issues going on here, they're, they're probably not going to have you know seven, seven, Kevin Stefanski. The Browns probably won't have him a lot. They haven't even been able to practice because of go COVID issues there. So you wonder, will that play a role in this and I know you know I know they've said that they're not going to reschedule the game because they're they're in a tight scheduling here but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers use that to their advantage the fact that the Browns haven't been able to practice yeah since you brought that up Lakina pay attention to the first two offensive series of the game for the Cleveland Browns if they cannot muster up anything it's going to be a long day for them because even though all teams have done practice and meetings virtually at some points uh, during the season. We have, have not had, had the opportunity to practice physically on the field, especially for an entire week. It's going to cause problems. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we, look, we saw with some of the various teams. I mean, we all saw when Tennessee, when they had their issues early in the season, um, you know, Baltimore, they were able to, you know, they were able to kind of, you know, soldier, you know, push on through, even though they had their issues, you know, about a couple of months ago. So, it's sort of a very interesting, you know, ta- you know, interesting, you know, task here because I, I feel like, you know, especially in the playoffs. I mean, it's going to be a lot of excitement, you know, in Cleveland. Is but then this happens. I mean, you know, not them not being able to practice, you know, actually physically practice. I mean, I know, I know, Alvin Kamara's been doing it, you know, through you know, through Zoom and stuff the last couple of days for the Saints. But when a whole team is, has been able to practice. Then you have problems. I mean, you already had like Jarvis Landry and the wide receiving core, you know, having various issues. It looks like they'll be back, but mm-hmm. it, it's 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 going to be sort of weird. And I wouldn't be surprised if you know we don't see more of this as we get closer and closer to the Super Bowl. That 
especially with numbers, you know, going up across the country, still up in a lot of states, especially here in Illinois, we might be seeing some, you know, teams that might have issues. Yeah, if you're the NFL, like you powered your way through this season, of course, you can give NFL a hand to a certain extent because they did not have to cancel any games. They didn't want to reshuffle any games either, but take take the uh, the, the two situations, you would rather reshuffle games instead of canceling games and giving that money back to the networks and then your players not get paid. But with that being said, like you said, it could cause some issues down the line if you NFL, it, uh, you hope not, because you really don't want to reschedule these playoff games. But since it's where the money, the biggest money is being made uh, for the postseason, the NFL is going to do everything they can within their power to to finish these playoff games, whether it takes another week or two or a month or two, those games will be completed. Oh, I yeah. guarantee you that. Absolutely. Oh, look, I mean, we already know that they're they've already come sure they probably got plans in place to sort of mm-hmm. you know try to you know see what happens, and I'm sure there's going to be like Plan B, C, and D. I mean, I, I just yeah, I, I just don't see them. Look, they were able to get through the season, you know, pretty much unscathed. I mean, yes, they've had to move some games around and play a game on a mm-hmm. Wednesday, but which actually rated pretty well. I don't, but I don't think they want to go through that again. So, you know, if you're if you're in the NFL, you're you're hoping that you don't have to do that, especially since this is your big money maker, like you said. Yeah. All right. Uh, the pro, uh, all pros have were announced earlier this morning. Um. Cordell Patterson made the All-Pro as a kick returner, of course, for the Bears. Um, it looks like, yeah, uh, Travis, Travis Kelsey from the uh, Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs and also Aaron Donald were both unanimous All-Pro selection teams. Uh, some of the other names, um, Derrick Henry, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, David Bachtum, Jack Conlon, that's the O-line guys, Quinn Nelson for the Colts, Brandon Sheriff from for Washington and Corey Lindsay, you know, another one of, you know, mm-hmm. Rogers uh, top O-line guys on the defensive side, you know, JJ Watt, I mean, TJ Watt, I should say for the Steelers. Also Miles Garrett for the Browns, Aaron Donald. We've, we mentioned him earlier, DeForest Buckner, Fred Warner for the 49ers, Bobby Wagner for the Seahawks. He might be a factor too in that game with the, with the Rams this weekend as well. Darius Leonard, Damian Howard, Jalen Ramsey, Tyron Matthew, Micah Fitzpatrick, and Bubba Baker for the Cardinals. And joining um, Patterson for the special teams, Jason Sanders, Jake Bailey, Gunnar Rosicki for the Patriots. You know, some pa- good news for the Patriots there. George Odom and Morgan Cox. Those are your, those are your all pros. Not a surprise there. <laughs> yeah, Maybe so Josh Allen not getting on that list, but you have had other better quarterbacks that played well throughout this season. So maybe that'll be my only gripe using air quotes for those listening uh, exclusively on on the podcast, using air quotes for gripe. But other than that, those are the usual things you expect to see on that list. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, I don't really have no gripes here. I mean, look, who would you take out, especially if you add names? And I know people are going to say Roquan. I I think Roquan even tweeted that maybe he should have been in there. But who do you take out among the names I've mentioned? Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's hard. There's only so many – there's only so many spots in the all-pro team. But, you know, what can you do? Um, Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to have Ross Jackson from the Locked On Saints podcast help us preview Saints – and Bears and the rest of the uh, the, the, the uh, wild card slate. Also, 
you know, so a big trade that actually in a base in baseball that actually helps Sid's uh, Sid's White Sox. We'll tell you about that. <laughs> also, we'll talk a little bit of you know a little national championship game if we have time. Also, uh, college hoops. Also, the Bulls too. Bulls actually have a pretty good West Coast trip so far. So we'll be right back with more second season sports Zoom style, and we're right back. All right, Lakeen, I'm ready. Welcome back to the second half of the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Zoom Style. I'm going to just jump in. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we love, love it. it. We love it. I love it. Along we love with Lakeen and McGee, I'm Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, that's SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can go to our website at realregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can catch this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from War Media by simply searching for War on Anchor wherever you download your podcast, including that iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type in that search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can not only, not only listen to us, but watch us. Look alive! And don't forget to like and subscribe and get those likes up. Yes, and continue with our discussion, uh, previewing the NFL NFC wildcard matchup between the New Orleans Saints hosting our Chicago Bears. It's friend of the show, Mr. Ross Jackson. He's the host of the Locked on Saints podcast. You can download that podcast wherever you download your podcast. And you can catch him on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Once again, at Ross Jackson. That's with two S's, Jackson at N-O-L-A. Ross, welcome back to the program. How are you? Hey, I'm doing just fine. I appreciate y'all having me back. Had such a blast chatting with y'all last year. So glad to uh, be able to come back through. I appreciate you. Happy New Year to you. Hope y'all are doing well. I got you. <laughs> yes, we're doing just fine. So uh, for this wildcard matchup, it's not just America's game of the week, but it's also <laughs> going to be a, a broadcast on Nickelodeon, which we'll get to later. See, Ross remembers last so year we had him on the radio show. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's start off, of course, with the with your Saints, Ross. They win the NFC South uh, with a 12-4 and record, sweeping the season series from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, beating them by one game for the division title. Before we break down the game, Ross, what impressed you most about the New Orleans Saints this season? Of course, Michael Thomas basically didn't play the whole year. Drew right. Brees uh, was hurt. Of course, Jameis Winston being, quote-unquote, demoted to the third-string quarterback. Taysom Hill got some run. Uh, <laughs> this is probably the, the, the first time that Sean Payne has faced adversity like this uh, mounting, mounting on top in a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. It's particularly been over the last couple of years, and I would say that that has been the thing that's been most impressive so far is watching the way that uh, head coach Sean Payton has – you know, uh, had to deal with everything that's been going on with him and, and everything that's been going on. I mean, let's not forget that like this, all the adversity, everything started before the season even began when he became the first NFL head coach diagnosed with COVID-19. So even back to that point and having to figure out, like having to be the first coach essentially to have to pioneer, Hey, how do we do off season training programs without anybody being here and everything that he had to do through that point. And then you look at all of the injuries that mounted up throughout the season with Michael Thomas and Drew Brees have played only 10 quarters together all season. Uh, There were only 52 snaps in which this team has had 
four, all four pieces, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Emmanuel Sanders on the field at the same time. And it hasn't happened since week 10. So it's been, and, and even beyond that, but it, it's been challenging uh, for this team to be able to figure out how they were going to circumvent all that on the offensive side. They played several games without both of their starting corners or without either or starting corner uh, as well over on the defensive side, as well as some injuries at all three levels there. So you know, this has just been what this team has done. And I think that's the thing that has impressed me the most is first of all, the efficiency of their depth, the fact that they can come in not having really played any snaps and find ways to mesh on offense and defense gives you a pretty good indicator of what it's going to be like to have, you know, the superstar players that this offense was built around having them come back. Shouldn't be too much time for Russ considering that they've been able to plug in practice squad players into those roles and still be able to continue to move forward. So I think that's the thing that's been the biggest standout for me so far for the season. It's actually been very impressive seeing them, you know, to play as consistently as they have, mm -hmm. even though they've had a lot of injuries and COVID issues and stuff like that. Look right. what happened uh, this, this past Sunday with the, with the Panthers. I mm -hmm. want to talk about their defense for a second, Ross. I mean, yeah. I'm a, I think, should say fans be worried? I mean, they've given up a lot of points, you know, through, you know, in various, you know, air, uh, parts of the season. So mm -hmm. they actually played a little bit better again, you know, Panthers. I really didn't, that game really didn't mean too much in the end, right. but, how concerned are you about the 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 Saints Saints defense? I should say, and how yeah. they could play. Yeah, I think at this point, you, you have to feel pretty confident in the Saints defense. I mean, they went from allowing 29.8 points, if I remember correctly, over the first seven games of the season to over the last nine games of the season, giving up only 15.2 per game. Uh, and right now they finish near the, the top there at 21.1, 21.2 points per game given up. So they're doing a pretty good job uh, on the back end. It just depends upon when you look at this team. You can look at all the you know scoring totals and the yards and everything as you want. But, you know, as you're indicating, like, the thing that has been the biggest issue has been the variance has been the variation. They've been a very good defense, but then they have these kind of up and down performances. You can look no further. You know, you don't have to look very far back. You can look to Philadelphia, for instance, and the game that they dropped in Philly, which came down to defensive execution and everything. And so as well as offensive execution, but in particular their lack of ability to contain in the run game was huge for them. And so I think that, you know, but you still come into this one with some confidence. This is a team that had uh, only four interceptions over the first, I think it was seven games of the season, uh, nine over the next four, zero over the four after that, and then five on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. And so if this is the upswing, it's a good time for it to happen. Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Network, is joining us here on Second City Sports to preview Bears and Saints. That game will be this Sunday at 3.40 p.m. on CBS, along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. Ross, let's focus in on that Saints offense. I'll go back to the regular season matchup between the Bears and Saints. The Saints got out of there alive with a 26-23 victory in overtime. Uh, I remember that game. Alvin Kamara was not effective in the running game, but head coach Sean Payton used him in the passing game, which he was effective. Almost got 100 yards, uh, if memory serves correct. Yep. Now, Nick Foles was the quarterback on the other side of the Bears, but we'll get to that later. But <laughs> I want to ask you, will head coach Sean Payton look at the game film and use that same game plan again? Or, or do you think that he's going to mix it up and see if he can establish Kamara in the running game first, especially given Kamara's performance on Christmas Day against the Vikings with those six touchdown runs? Yeah, he had a big yeah. day on Christmas. That was a nice little Christmas present for everybody in New Orleans for sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I really think – okay, so, so here's the way that I would phrase it. I, I think that you'll see a lot of the split zone run type situations that they usually try to generate in terms of trying to create some – 
you know, air to run up the B gap, for instance, on the backside of plays and everything. They'll do all of that. But the biggest factor is going to be for them. How can they get Alvin Kamara involved in the passing game, especially with Michael Thomas also back, who's going to draw a lot of attention in the passing game or the expectation is that Michael Thomas will be back. And if he hits the field, then that's going to draw a lot of attention in the passing game. The thing that Chicago does so incredibly well is that Every single defensive snap, when it's a single high safety or a split safety look, it looks the exact same. And then post-snap, they'll vary. So they do a very good job at disguising. So what that means is that the Saints in the passing game are going to need to be able to see the same thing on the field at the same time mid-play. That's why Michael Thomas is important. That's why Alvin Kamara and his option routes are important. Is he going to run an error route, wheel route, uh, or you know, dump off to the flats, those type of situations to where he and Drew Brees can see the same thing. So I think that they'll continue to lean on that, especially if Roquan Smith isn't able to go. I know that he's been injured and hasn't practiced, practiced yet Wednesday or, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday or Thursday. And so if he's out, then that opens up a lot of opportunities for the Saints in the passing game in particular. I think they'll work on establishing the run game, but I think the main focus for Alvin Kamara is going to be how he can control contribute uh, through the year how much do you think they're going to use Taysom Hill because we saw him a little bit mm-hmm. you know during the, you know, the, the the previous meeting against the Bears earlier this season is he are they going to is Payton going to use him more or sort of about the same or they're going to try to maybe use a little bit less yeah the, the thing that makes Taysom Hill so interesting now is that he started four games at quarterback so there's less of an indicator if you see him in the backfield in the shotgun with a you know a, a running back on his hip that he's going to run right there's less ability to expect that there's a lot of pre-snap motion and things like that that can indicate it don't get me wrong but you can also line him up under center and run the the play action game with him and take advantage of some eye discipline issues on the back end for Chicago and things like that and so wherever they can generate opportunities for Taysom Hill he'll certainly get them you can expect to see him on third and short situations you can certainly expect to see him in the red zone uh he did uh leave sunday's game against carolina panthers with a concussion he went back to full practice on thursday so i would keep an eye out and see exactly what he's going to look like for that game i wouldn't be surprised to see you know maybe a, a game time decision for him or anything like that even regardless of what the game status designation is before that but just in terms of his usage might be limited based upon his injury and based upon uh, some of the other pieces around so I would keep an eye out for all of that. But when it comes down to Taysom Hill, the fact of the matter is that when there's an opportunity for Sean Payton to put him on the field, he's going to put Taysom Hill on the field. There's absolutely no doubt about that for sure. Ross, let's focus in on the New Orleans Saints secondary led by C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Marshawn Lattimore, Malcolm Jenkins, the veteran, and Janoris Jenkins. We all know that, they, that this group has given the Bears problems the last couple of years in Chicago with the last two regular season games, of course. Thank you, Javon Wilson, for doing something stupid and cost you a couple of games. <laughs> but uh, they're, uh, they're also giving Allen Robinson problems as well. Of course, we all saw what the Packers did to him last week. Of course, Allen Robinson has been limited uh, uh, this week in practice due uh, to a hamstring injury. But how important is that Saints defense, uh, Saints secondary, how important is, is that group uh, going to be to perhaps try to uh, – take the ball away to limit those wide receivers for the Bears, first of all, especially if Robinson plays, if Darnell Mooney plays. And number two, trying to confuse Mitchell Trubisky uh, uh, at the line because uh, we all know Nick Foles, when he played uh, early in the season, he didn't have the greatest game. I think things are going to be different for for Trubisky, but I think it's going to come down to how can Trubisky – uh, will the coverage fool him this time? Because it's going to be different with him under center than when Nick Foles was under center early in the season. 
Yeah, they're certainly going to give him a lot of looks that he'll have to try to diagnose pre-snap, and then they'll they'll change things around. So they'll take a they'll take a, a piece out of the Chicago defense playbook for sure in terms of making sure that they're able to to try to vary up what those looks are after the snap and what Trubisky has to decide throughout the uh, throughout the snap. The thing that the Bears will probably do to help with that is that they'll run some play actions and some boot actions off of outside zones, which is going to give a lot of time to Trubisky in terms of moving the pocket and things like that and give him an opportunity to read the field and see. So he'll have a little bit more processing time to his advantage than maybe Drew Brees, who's going to be more traditional pocket passer, will. And they don't run a ton of play action with Drew, although since he took back over for uh, Taysom Hill. It was as if he was reminded, "Hey, play action is actually a pretty good idea. Let's use that more." Mm-hmm. And they started incorporating it a bit more for him. But for the Saints secondary, and, uh, and particularly Marcus Williams, whose health is going to be a big question coming into this game too, uh, just in terms of what he's going to look like on the field after the lower leg injury that he had or the low ankle sprain that he had a couple games ago, uh, that's going to be big for this team in terms of what they're going to be able to do over on the back end. The, the fact of the matter is that they're probably going to play a lot of cover two man. They're certainly going to man up and challenge these receivers to beat them off the line of scrimmage. Marshawn Lattimore has really stepped his game up since he faced Allen Robinson last time because he didn't have a great game against Allen Robinson the last time. Allen Robinson cooked him uh, a few times on double moves and, you know, faking to the outside before some in-breaking routes, things like that. So I expect he and Janoris Jenkins to be a lot more physical at the line of scrimmage. Um, I'm going to if, if Darnell Mooney's available, then I think that those, uh, those deep shots are going to be there for them because Darnell Mooney's going to create them. So I know that this is now an offense at Mitch Trubisky that likes to operate within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, and the Saints defense will certainly welcome that, but they have to be careful about some of those inherent uh, built-in deep shots that are going to be built in. That's where the back-end secondary becomes really, really important. So I expect them to play a lot of that two-man under, two-man, uh, two cover two-man uh, looks and, and challenge these receivers to uh, essentially find their way open downfield, but then give them the short and intermediate game all day long. What about their front seven with Cam mm-hmm. Jordan and, and Demario Davis and, and guys like that? And I'm sure they're going to want to try and slow down David Montgomery because I'm sure that the Bears are going to use the run game more to keep their offense, the Saints offense off the field. So yes. are they going to be using the front seven more? Yeah. I mean, you're going to see the, the, they're going to do their best to generate pressure with the down four in particular. Uh, and David Montgomery, the, the places that he is most comfortable running, or at least the places he's been most productive are outside zones to the left side, offensive left, and then right up the middle behind the center. So that's going to be, you know, David on world right there. And David on has been playing really well defensive tackle for the saints in terms of keeping anything from going on up the middle. The issue is going to be, can the saints maintain containment on the outside and can they generate pass rush with just their four down linemen? I think on third down, you'll see the saints blitz. They usually go into a three down set in that case, but then they'll load the line of scrimmage with two more linebackers and two more safeties so you don't know necessarily where the pressure is coming from so you'll see them do that quite a bit uh particularly on third down and in any uh you know up tempo opportunities for uh for chicago but for the most part it's going to be about them limiting that run game which is going to help them in that boot action and play action area where mitch trubisky is really really comfortable but then also trying to generate pass rush while dropping you know seven more back for coverage Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast, is joining us here on Second City Sports Weekend Edition, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. We preview Bears Saints coming up this Sunday at 3.40 p.m. down in the bayou. Ross, let's go back to that Saints offense. You brought up Michael Thomas earlier, the step wide receiver. Of course, he's one of the top five receivers in the game. Who else should Bears fans pay attention to as far as the 
New Orleans Saints wide receiver core because looking down at the uh, the final sets from that roster, it's a bunch of uh, quote unquote nobodies. No disrespect, mm-hmm. but a bunch no, of no nobodies, right. no no names, but they just keep coming up and making big plays. Yeah, absolutely. I think Emmanuel Sanders is obviously one of those folks. He he will be able to benefit in some of those crossing patterns and some of those combo patterns that are each coming from opposite sides. If there's a lot of attention going to uh, Michael Thomas, that could open up some more opportunities for Emmanuel Sanders, who's really gotten in a groove with, uh, with Drew Brees since Drew Brees' return against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'd watch out for him. And then I'd also mention Marquez Callaway, who is somebody that has stepped up. He's got the dreads, number 12, can't miss him on the field. He's a big guy. Uh, he'll be out there. And he is somebody that has filled in and placed Michael Thomas, who's filled in in place of Emmanuel Sanders. He has been this just outstanding diamond in the rough undrafted free agent that the Saints have found. And, you know, they're, the Saints tend to do this pretty often, particularly at the wide receiver position. Lance Moore, Willie Sneed, those guys in the past. Uh, I really believe that Marquez Calloway is that next guy. So I would keep an eye out for him as well. And he'll have a, he'll factor in in a couple different ways, but ideally he'll be able to factor in in the passing game. Uh, but he does a really good job as a run blocker as well. Latavius Murray, though, how much of an X factor do you think he can be? Because he loves playing the Bears. You know, he, you yeah. know, he always he rushes. You know, for yeah, I think almost he gets like near like over a hundred yards every time he mm-hmm. plays the Bears from the teams he's played on. So, how much of an X factor do you think he's going to be? Especially with Kamara, so kind of like you know easing his way back into it. That I think is is, is really the big key. I, I could see Latavius Murray getting more involved in scripted scenarios. So the first drive that they had, like their first offensive drive of the game their first offensive drive of the second half, any of those two-minute drills. Those are times where I could see Latavius Murray getting maybe some more looks, obviously, in maybe those two-minute drills. If it's not Alvin Kamara, then maybe it's Ty Montgomery because they want to be able to pass the ball, for instance. So I, I think those scripted areas, those like specific shots to where Sean Payton sees something and says, I have a play for that, right, on like a third and two, a third and three, like those short yardage situations, I think Latavius Murray will be very much involved in all of those. You know, the, the short yardage situation in particular, because Latavius Murray is six foot three as a running back. He falls yeah. forward and gains you two yards. Like, mm-hmm. this is a big part of what he's able to do. And so I think that that's where you'll see him. But I think he will play a factor, even with the return of Alvin Kamara, and may even help to keep Alvin Kamara, you know, on the sideline a little bit since he didn't get to practice over the week and then keeping him away from any injury concerns. Talk to us about tight end Jared Cook, Ross. Of course, he mm-hmm. ended up the year with 37 catches and seven touchdowns overall, including the touchdown in the Saints victory over the Bears earlier this season. With Royal Cron Smith not in that lineup, I'm just getting this feeling that Jared Cook may be used in the game plan a little bit more. Talk to us about Mr. Cook and what you think that his impact will be on Sunday against the Bears. Yeah, there's a good chance that he gets really involved. The issue is that he and Drew Brees have often not been on the same page. They have really tightened up their communication and seeing the field the same way and everything over the last two games. But it's a very small sample size to just say that the problem's fixed, right? So I think that one of the biggest things is going to be, are is there trust there? Is that communication really on point? And if not, I would also look for the tight end Adam Troutman in the passing game because if they don't feel comfortable with the communication that they're getting between Drew Brees and Jerry Cook, Adam Troutman is somebody that has come on and has been, you know, particularly in those 12 personnel sets where you have two tight ends on the field that they've really been leaning on uh, in the passing game. He's not getting as many targets or as many receptions as Jerry Cook, of course, because Jerry Cook's on the field more, but that would be something to look for. And if the Saints ever get to a point where they're, you know, feeling comfortable about just running the ball, then that would, that would kind of inherently keep Jerry Cook off the field because they don't usually use him in the run game. How about special teams? Because we know Sean Payne loves to kind of play around the special teams every once mm-hmm. in a while. Do you think he'll, he'll uh, go to his bag of tricks and special teams on Sunday? 
Yeah, we haven't seen it all season. So I think the playoffs is certainly where you will see it. Uh, I think it will be, you know, the the bag of tricks portion of it is going to be when necessary for sure. And only if necessary, because I think he's going to want to save that for when it's absolutely needed. Uh, so we'll see exactly what the situation is and if the game situation calls for it. But I'm sure if they can hold on to it for, say, you know, a potential NFC championship usage, then they might use it then instead. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is a coach that's perfectly happy to do it. He's done it before in the Super Bowl, you know, so I think mm-hmm. that, you know, you'll, you'll see him mm-hmm. utilize it when it's necessary. The big thing on special teams that I would reference, though, is, uh, is going to be Deontay Harris, who yeah. looks like he's on track to mm-hmm. return. Um, he's been, you know, first team all pro returner in 2020, excuse me, 2019 for the Saints. He's been dealing with some injuries all throughout, but they did the same thing with him that they did with Michael Thomas. They shut him down, put him on injured reserve three games before the end of the season and then have him come back for the playoffs. So the intent is to have him come back for the playoffs. And so he would be somebody that I would look for in terms of the hidden yardage game and where the Saints end up uh, starting off their their field position. Punt coverage and kick coverage is going to be really important for the Saints as well as they've given up special teams touchdowns to the Bears in the past. Last moment or two with Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast right here on the weekend edition of Second City Sports as we preview Bears-Saints NFC wildcard matchup for Sunday at 3.40 p.m. down the bayou. Ross, which Saints player needs to show up on Sunday to have any chance of beating the Bears? If there's one player that you're looking forward to having a big game, who needs to have a big game, who is it and why? I think that there's one player that could be a huge factor for them on the defensive line and that kind of needs it for his own narrative as well. And that's Marcus Davenport, uh, first round pick uh, a few years ago, they traded up to get him. He is effectively referred to as two firsts because they spent two first round picks mm-hmm. on him. So that's what the fan base refers to him as he finished the season with one and a half sacks, which is not what you want from that. Now, of course, uh, you know, Trey Hendrickson had 13 and a half, so they made up for it elsewhere. But yeah. the anticipation for Marcus Davenport was really high in terms of his development coming into his uh, his third year here. And so I think that in the playoffs, if Trey Hendrickson, you know, is dealing with, he has a neck injury that he's dealing with, that slows him down at all or keeps him out of the game at, you know, game time decision type situation, then Marcus Davenport is going to be relied upon. So him as a pass rusher, yes, but also him and his ability to contain in the run game are going to be very important. Now, we talked about, um, we, Sid, I talked about earlier about the game will be simulcast on both CBS and Nickelodeon, you know, yes. so, <laughs> uh, network mates. Although Tony Robo was like, he's going to be calling the game from his home down in Dallas. Right, right. And uh, Noah Eagle and Nate Burleson, I think they're going to have a couple, I think Nickelodeon, they're going to have like a couple of people from their new version of all that, you know, mm-hmm. on the sideline. They're going to have like little cute little you know, sort of like things where, you know, they're going to have animation and, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. what do you think about that? What do you think about this initiative that the CBS and Viacom, what they're trying to do here? I love it. I'm so excited about it. I really am. And it's, it's, it's mostly just because I'm a big child that that's all that I really am. I'm just a big <laughs> child that loves football. And, uh, and, and I get it right. Like they're trying to open up the NFL to, you know, a younger fan base and try to see if this is something that can be applicable to kids. So there's going to be a lot of things like superimposed and like big cartoon eyes and slime in the end zone and all these other things. And so, you know, you have to imagine this is going to be on a major delay from the usual network so that they can superimpose all that as well as yeah. cut past any more cj gardner johnson javon wims moments should they need to <laughs> like 
uh, <laughs> you know, I don't think you're going to want that on Nickelodeon. Uh, no, not you know? at all. <laughs> and so I, I do. I, I think that it's cool. I think that it's neat. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. I'm probably going to be more tuned into the Nickelodeon version, if I'm being 100% honest with you, than I am going to yeah. be with the CBS version. Uh, because I'm really interested to see it. And I've never really been a fan of uh, CBS's broadcast anyway. And so, you know, I'll, take, I'll happily take my alternative. But I'll be really interested to see how this works, if it works, and then how it continues to move forward if at all yeah don't forget it if uh hopefully those folks at cbs are listening if trubisky throws an interception or two don't forget to add the double dare slime just, just right. slime. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that, might, that might happen too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um uh last question for me ross um you talk to saints fans all the time throughout the season i'm not going to say they're not excited i'm sure they am but how nervous are they really about uh. This can possibly be Drew Brees' last dance or last run at a Super Bowl title before he joins NBC for their yeah. television football coverage soon. Yeah, yeah. I think that this is this is something that most Saints fans have expected. Uh, you know, when the report came out that this would possibly, you know, that Sunday was possibly going to be Drew Brees' last regular season game, it kind of had a resonant duh across the uh, through that <laughs> nation. But, uh, but I do think that, you know, hearing the reality of it is still a very different situation. And so if it ends up being true, I think that people are excited. I mean, I think there's nerves, of course, because when you've been fortunate enough to watch, you know, 14, 15 years of a Hall of Fame quarterback lead the way for your favorite team, that's exciting, right? Like the, yeah. you, you want to tune in every time that this team plays. It also comes with a lot of things. It comes with, you know, uh, national attention. It comes with nationally televised games and primetime games and things like that. And so I, I think the biggest thing is just going to be that there's going to be nerves around that, but there's also going to be a lot of excitement about who ends up taking over after Drew Brees. And the Saints have done a really good job. They have now built essentially a vehicle that can either be driven by the quarterback or that can help drive the quarterback if necessary. We've seen that for Taysom Hill. We've seen that for Teddy Bridgewater. And we've even seen it for Drew Brees. There have been times where Drew Brees has won games that he hasn't won, that the team around him has won. And so when you have all the talent that has been built up, there's still a lot of reasons to be excited about it. But I think there will always be a general nervousness of the unknown for what this team is going to look like moving forward if this is indeed Drew Brees' final season. How, how far do you have the Saints going in the playoffs? I will pick the Saints all the way through. I, I really do think that, I mean, up until the Super Bowl, basically, and that's where I'll really have to take a hard look at depending upon who that AFC opponent is and everything. Um, you know, I, I think that they're a Super Bowl team. They're a team that can get there. And depending upon the opponent, I think they're a team that can win it. Um, I think there are certain teams that provide challenges in the Super Bowl for them, like Buffalo, for instance, who just looks unstoppable right now. Uh, Kansas City, of course, they've met before, but they did a pretty good job against, can they replicate that again and have a better offensive output to put them in a better situation than a regular season? Season matchup, all of that. So, uh, look, I, I think that New Orleans has proven at this point, based upon you know our very first part of this conversation, that they are one of the most complete teams in the NFL. Now it's just about them getting out of their own way and executing in the playoffs. Thank you, Lakina, for uh, uh, saving the suspense of Ross giving us the final score for Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can guess for ourselves. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. All right, there was Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Ross Jackson. That's with two S's, Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. That's once again at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Ross, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Enjoy Wild Card Weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll have you back on again soon. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. I appreciate you all. Stay safe and uh, enjoy the action this weekend. You as well. You thank too. you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ross. Stay safe. You too. <laughs> Hmm. All right. You want me to just hop off? Yeah.
Yeah. All right. Thank y'all. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Once again, that was Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast network. Wherever you download your podcast, uh, make sure you catch Locked On Saints podcast, especially for you Bears fans listening out there to get all the information about uh, your opponent on Sunday. Lakina, uh, let, let's quickly do our picks before we move on to other sports news to wrap up uh, this weekend's show. Uh, let, let's start off with the Colts in the Bills. That's the first game on Saturday. That's at noon on CBS. Who do you have winning? I have Buffalo. I, I, I think I, – I just think that I, I, I trust Buffalo's offense that I do trust this, the Colts' defense, if that makes sense. I know, I know I've been lobbying mm-hmm. for them, you know, all, all season long, but I just think – I think Buffalo's on a mission. I think they feel as though that they they have the best shot of beating KC. Should you know the both the teams meet in the, you know, in championship Sunday. So I, I'm it's gonna be a close one, but I think I'm picking the the Bills. I'm going with Buffalo as well. I think Indianapolis will stay in there for a while, but I think Buffalo will do enough just to pull away and, and, and take this one. Next game, 3:40 p.m. on Fox on Saturday, the second game of the wild card trip ahead of for Saturday. It will be the Los Angeles Rams going to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. I have the Seahawks in this one, Lakina. It doesn't matter who plays quarterback for the Rams. If the Seahawks can establish a running game early with Chris Carson and create a couple of turnovers, uh, this should be an easy win for Seattle. Also, look for DK Metcalf. Hopefully he can have a big game against Jalen Ramsey, but I'm going with the Seahawks. This might be one of those 9-6, you know, 12-9 kind of games. But I, I think, look, bat them or not, I, I think the Seahawks will do just enough to uh, to win this game. And just I don't trust the, the, the Rams. The Rams did have, you know, did not have not, you know, did not play well those last few weeks. I mean, they were able to eat, eat out a win against a Cardinals team that clearly wasn't ready. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick the, the Seahawks. I, I, I just think that they're just a better team at this point in the season. All right, the last game of the Saturday triple header. You can watch this game on NBC at 7 p- 7.15 p.m. Central Standard Time. That's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the NFC East champions, the Washington football team. That game will take place in our nation's capital. This could be a potential upset alert game, but I'm going with Tampa Bay. But I would not be surprised if, if they would lose this game. I'm going with Tampa Bay only because of the experience. Washington, well, they have the defense they don't have enough on offense. Yes, you have Antonio Gibson, the running back. You have Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver. But I don't think it's going to be enough, especially if Tampa Bay's on all cylinders. I'm going with the Bucks on the road. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, if, if Washington's offense was a little bit better, I think I would give them a shot. But unless they're going to, you know, let their the running backs, you know, keep you know, chucking it down the field to keep Brady and his offense off, I just don't see it happening. I think the experience, like you said, I, I think – the Bucks are on a mission too, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick what I'm I'm gonna pick the, the 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 Bucks. Although, like I said, I would be surprised if Washington does pull off the upset. This might be one of the upsets. We'll see. Yeah, especially if Brady can uh, puts up a couple of interceptions. Who is gonna get ugly real quick? Yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> and, uh, another triple header on Sunday. First game up, the Baltimore Ravens take on the Tennessee Titans down in Nashville. This is the rematch, as you mentioned, Lakina, of last year's divisional playoff matchup where the Titans dominated 28-12 to from start to finish. Will it be the same story, or will Baltimore come out on top? I'll start with you and your pick. Um, I'm going to – oh, gosh, this is a tough one. But I think Baltimore exercises those demons. I think they will – I think it will be a close, but I think – 
they I, I think I think they'll pull this off. I think this will be one of the first like upsets, if you will. I think mm-hmm. look, they're on a mission. They want to, you know, they feel like everyone's saying that they're dangerous. I, I think, you know, no one's really talking about them, which I look, if you're John Harbaugh and the Ravens, I think that's a good thing if you're them. So yeah. I think they'll, I think the defense will just have to slow down Derrick Henry. I think JK Dobbs will have a, a big day. And I, I don't know. I'm having a feeling that the Ravens pull this off. What do you think? Uh, for those of you listening exclusively on the podcast, Lakina is wearing a, a purple um, sweater. <laughs> I so I think I'm going to take the cue and go with Baltimore. As you mentioned, I think Lamar Jackson remembers what happened last year. I think he's going to have a, a, a better game. And also, too, Tennessee, even though they have a couple uh, playmakers, especially in their secondary, their defense statistically is not that good. So uh, – Assuming that the Lamar Jackson doesn't turn the bo- football over, look for them to run the ball consistently. And let's see if Hollywood Brown can have a big game in the wide receiver spot. If those two things happen, I think Baltimore will win. I'm picking Baltimore to win. Should be a fun one there. Um, okay, we'll do the night one first. Cleveland and Pittsburgh, where do you see that? <laughs> <laughs> Your head coach will not be on the sidelines due to COVID. On a serious note, hopefully he gets better and better soon. Number two, uh, uh, Pittsburgh, as we talked about in our last hour, Lakina, I I think they'll win this game. I'm going to pick Pittsburgh, but it's not going to be as easy as people think because of their defense, especially with Dupree out for the year with a torn ACL. I think Cleveland can do some things, but as I said earlier, pay attention to the first two offensive series of the game for Cleveland, especially since they haven't practiced on the field all we do to COVID issues. If they struggle and come out with no points, it's going to be a long day. They will have to definitely lean on Kareem Hunt and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. I'm blanking out here. Nick Chubb. Uh, Nick, Nick Chubb, Chubb thank you. Chubb. Uh, running the football. Uh, that that gives Baker Mayfield, uh, Baker Mayfield a better chance to throw the ball down the field, and it gives Cleveland a better chance to keep themselves in the ball game. I think Pittsburgh, even though they're not overwhelmingly uh, uh, office of juggernaut like they have been in years past, I think they'll do enough to win this ball game. So I'm going with Pittsburgh at home. Yeah, um, I actually just saw a tweet from Ian Rappaport that they the Browns will actually be finally be able to practice later this afternoon. I don't know. The only your your game's only two days away, so I don't know if that's gonna be enough. You know, your coach won't even be mm-hmm. on the field. So do I think it's gonna be a blowout? No, but I think Pittsburgh will do just enough to win this game. I'm more concerned about the Steelers defense. If if, if you know, just give it just give it to Hunt and Chubb and they'll, you know, keep you know, keep the Browns in it. But I think Steelers will probably pull it out in the end. And the last game will be the New Orleans Saints hosting the Chicago Bears down in New Orleans on Sunday at 3.40 p.m. on CBS in Nickelodeon. I think the the telecast will be the story here, especially on Nickelodeon. We'll give you our reviews on our next podcast coming up next week. (laughs) As as far as the game is concerned, it depends on the health of the Chicago Bears. We all know that linebacker Roll Cross Smith will not be there. Hopefully, Allen Robinson can see his way on the field, along with his wide receiver partner, Darnell Mooney. Uh, I, I think the Bears will need to play ball control offensively. I think it's going to be the same story as last week, but I don't think the score is going to be as lopsided as the Green Bay game. I think the Bears will hang around for a minute, but I think the Saints will take over. And I don't think they're going to blow the Bears out, but I, I, I think the Saints will. The Saints do have enough up and down their roster. I think they'll have enough to pull away. I say about 
10 to 14 points. So I'm taking the Saints to win. It's interesting, though. They got Mooney and Smith as questionable, which is weird because they haven't mm-hmm. practiced all week. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're trying to – I don't know if, like, the Bears are trying to keep the Saints on their toes here, but um, I, I don't know. But I, I think – look, do I think it's going to be as – do I think it's going to be lopsided as a Green Bay game? No, it won't. I think I think I get the Bears a little bit of a chance. I'll give them a slim chance to pull, pull off the upset, but I – I, I just don't see it happening. I think, like you said, so I think I think Bears by ten, maybe ten, maybe fourteen points. Because well, will it be a blowout like like the Green Bay game was? No, but I, I think just because you know the Saints are a better team, I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, it's going. One more thing about the Bears before we move on to other topics. It's going to be interesting to see how Mitchell Trubisky performs in his second career playoff game because. He didn't play during the regular season against the Saints. He, he was in for that one play. He hurt his shoulder was out for a few weeks. You can make make for wherever you will. But like Ross, uh, Ross Jackson, our guest on a few minutes ago, it's going to be interesting to see. We all know that Trubisky cannot read defenses, but we'll, we'll see what coverages that the Saints defense will give him. Can he adjust to him? If he can, the Bears will stay in this game longer than most people expect. But if Trevisi cannot read those defenses quickly enough, it's going to be a long day. Absolutely. Indeed. So should be interesting. All these games should be very entertaining this weekend. Mm-hmm. So enjoy, enjoy the wild card weekend, everybody. Yes, food, naps, and lay on your lazy boy sofa, bedroom, whatever. It's going to be fun. As it always is in wild card weekend. Um, okay, so some big uh, news, not uh, NFL-related news. Well, actually, well, maybe not. I mean, look, Deshaun Watson, you know, apparently he was, has been a part of the, the process for the, for the Texans. They, uh, the Texans hired Nick Casero, who is a, a, a New England guy, been with the organization for years. Apparently he was lobbying for Eric Bieniemy. It was like they're not going to go that route. You know, people were, you know, Chicago people were freaking out because he started following a couple of uh, Chicago weather guys. I mean, no disrespect to uh, Paul Conrad and Mike Jansen, who are both, both work for WGN, but unless he starts following other media people here in Chicago, I think, you know, we should kind of slow down on, on this. <laughs> what, what, what do you think about all this? This is crazy has been going on here these last 24 hours. <laughs> this is all posturing, to be honest with you. Hopefully that the Texas can consult Watson what kind of coach that he wants unless they know in their hearts that um, Deshaun Watson wants out of there. But this is all posturing at this point. If the Texas can get Eric Bieniemy down there or someone that, that Deshaun Watson can feel comfortable with and get the players around him so they can become a better team, then go for it. But this is all posturing at this point. Unless I see some of the official, this is all about posturing at this point. Yeah, I think he's just like playing chicken here. Like, look, I'm not – I think he's showing, like, look, I'm not happy with things are going the way things are going here. And, you know, look, you guys, you know, you guys need me, and I'm keeping you guys afloat. I mean, he led the league in uh, in passing yards this, this season. So mm-hmm. I think he need, I think he, he deserves a chance to kind of at least be heard out here. And, I, look, you, you don't have a football f- people running. You got, you know, the, the family of the owner who suddenly who passed away suddenly a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nothing's been right uh, since. You, know, you, you trade your top uh, wide receiver. He's now doing big things in Arizona. So, I, I you know, I, I, think, I think people just need to slow down here because I don't – look, I don't even think the Bears have enough to even get Watson, even if they could. You know, a lot of teams mm-hmm. probably don't have any – have a lot of the capital. You know, you're probably going to have, what, two or three first-rounders and maybe one of your top guys. I just don't see it. 
I don't either. Especially with the salary cap situation being in flux for at least the next couple of years. Oh, absolutely. But the, yeah, with COVID, everything, with mm-hmm. COVID and everything else. Yeah, exactly. All right. So um, some sad news in the world of baseball. Beloved um, Dodgers manager Tommy Lasorda passed away at the age of 93 earlier this morning. He led the Dodgers to two World Series titles. You know, just, you know, very flamboyant. You know, he helped kind of, you know, made that the Dodgers mystique, if you will, in the 70s and 80s and, you know, into the yeah. you know, early 90s. You know, just, you know, just a larger life figure. And this is, you know, baseball, you know, baseball world will miss him a lot. Yeah, we talk about uh, baseball needing big personalities to sell that sport, and especially in today's age with social media and, and the Internet and all that. Like you mentioned, Tommy Lasorda was a big personality guy. And I remember watching the the 88 World Series film. You can watch it on YouTube, by the way. Hopefully MLB Network will will replay it this weekend. But uh, I don't know if you remember, Lakina, of course, the Dodgers were led by Oral Horshaz, who had a historic year. I believe he was named World Series MVP, if I'm not mistaken. They beat the Oakland A's in six games, of course. Kirk Gibson had that. Uh, iconic home run off yep. of closer Dennis Eckersley in game one. Of course, NBC did that series with Vince Scully, now retired uh, um, baseball announcer for the Dodgers. And uh, I don't know if you remember, Lakina, but Lasorda had a beef with Bob Costas before yep. that series. I think Costas pit Oakland to win, just like everybody else did as well. And then he sought out Bob Costas uh, yeah. memory serves correct <laughs> after that World mm-hmm. Series. It was like, uh-huh. it was like yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, thanks, Bob. And of course, Lasorda had that big speech to his team at the end when they beat Oakland in Oakland in game six of that World Series. So that uh, that's one of one of the many things I remember. I, I will remember about uh, Tommy Lasorda. He was just a, a big personality guy. He didn't take any crap from anybody. He was proud and uh, comfortable in his old skin. And also he helped uh, – um, he has some a few words for Dave Roberts too. Of course, it turned out uh, during that 2017 World Series with the Dodgers and Astros, he told Dave Roberts before Game 7, you haven't done anything yet here in L.A. unless you win a World Series. I'm just paraphrasing a little bit. But uh, he always bled Dodger blue, and he's going to be remembered forever. He's one of the uh, type icons in that organization. He'll be remembered. Uh, forever he's definitely on Rob Rushmore for sure oh absolutely um and he's he's the kind of uh personality that's missed in baseball like you said because you know marketing and whatnot so this is a man that Mm -hmm. you know was you know helped you know bridge the gap you know he helped kind of you know lobby for more diversity in baseball too and both both Mm -hmm. on the field and in the front office too that's a lot of people don't know that but you know look he's going to be a guy that's going to be missed by a lot of people so by by all of us, you know, baseball fans alike. So and also baseball personalities too. And he's definitely going to be missed, like I said. And you know, this he's the type of personality that's needed in baseball right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, young folks to watch. So yeah, you know. I don't know if his no, yeah, I don't know if his number two is retired by the organization. If it isn't, it needs to be retired now, obviously, because he's no longer with us. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. So our thoughts and prayers go out to him. And also, also, t- also to um, Ben Scully lost his wife. Oh, this week too. You know, she was also very iconic in the baseball circles and Dodgers. So it's been a tough, tough week for Dodgers, the Dodgers organization, and their fans, and but also as baseball fans too. Yes, condolences, peace and love to them and, and their families and that Dodgers organization. 
Absolutely. Um, a big trade came down the pike a couple of days ago, Sid, and this actually affects your division in the AL Central. Francisco, <laughs> Francisco Lindor just got traded to the you know, Mets. He and Carlos Carrasco, the both uh, all-star you know, players for the Indians, you know, they were sent you know, to New York to, for the play for the New York Metropolitans for um, Enfilos, Andres Jimenez, and Ahmed Rosario, and also right-hander Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green. Yeah, it's a, a big trade for, for both teams. Uh, we talked about it uh, on our radio show uh, the last couple of off-seasons, Lakeena, when we're uh, Cleveland get rid of Francisco Lindor. Of course, they don't have the same financial resources like both, I said it, both Chicago teams uh, and like your both New York teams as well as along with the Boston Red Sox. But Francisco Lindor is one of the best young shortstops in the game. He's, he has been for the last few years. He's going to help that Mets team. Uh, listening to some New York sports radio over the last 24 hours or so, uh, many of the hosts and certain Mets fans are nervous, and rightly so, because they haven't won a World Series since 86. They haven't been to the big show since 2015. I think they could be competitive, but I don't, their roster is not finished yet. Can they still get Trevor Bauer? Will, will this keep them out of the race for getting George Springer, perhaps, to join their outfield? We don't know, but I think the Mets are a better team than they were, uh, especially these last few years. Of course, they're under new ownership now, so they're going to spend money like crazy. So it's not necessarily competing with the Yankees like they were 20 years ago when them and the Yankees were battling out for the um, for the back pages of those New York tabloids, and the Mets were actually good with Ron Ventura and Mike Piazza and some of those key role players back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So uh, – the Mets still has some ways to go, but I think they're a little bit a better team than they have been for the last few years. Now, speaking of my White Sox, I'm going to jump the gun a little bit. I said this to a couple of people, people on Twitter on Thursday. Uh, thank you, uh, Cleveland Indians, for making this a two-team race between the Twins and the, and the White Sox. There's no excuse for the White Sox now. So uh, Detroit is still re re rebuilding, even though they got that cheater in A.J. Hinch over there now. Kansas City, you know, they got Mike Medina as their manager. I know they're supposed to take another step. We'll see about that. But those two teams are still a couple years away from seriously contending. Uh, Cleveland is right in the, in the middle. You still have Terry Francona, but how much do they have left in the team? You still have a great pitching staff. You traded a couple of them last year, but how long will their pitching staff hold up? Yeah. And then, which comes down to now to Minnesota and Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I the think White Sox is. De yeah, it's definitely going to be a two-team race in the AL Central once we do our divisional previews. Uh, like I said, I think they've been – look, the Indians have been wanting to dump salary. They've talked – you know, the ownership has talked about it. So that's – you know, the you know, trading Lindor and Carrasco, I mean, that's definitely a salary dump. And if you're a, a White Sox fan, you're happy that Lindor's in the, <laughs> in the NL East now. Yeah, yeah. As for the Mets, I mean, I think this will definitely help them be competitive in the NL East. I think this is more about – I think this is more about being competitive in the, in the East and it's really about the Yankees at this point, right? I mean, mm -hmm. look, they're, they're right there. I mean, look, Atlanta, Philly, you got to think after the disappointing finish they had to that season. It, it's gonna look. It's gonna be very interesting that NL that NL East because I think it just it just got a lot more interesting. Especially you don't forget the Nationals too, and, and the Marlins. They look. The Marlins may want to prove that you know this past season wasn't a wasn't you know wasn't a fluke. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, as I mentioned, the Mets have a lot of work to do, especially with the Braves being one game away from the World Series. As you mentioned, the Marlins, uh, they won a playoff series, their wild card series against the Cubs. And, of course, uh, Philadelphia, which I expect to make a big jump. 
2021 under second-year manager Joe Girardi. So it's not going to be easy. You cannot take any days off in that division. Absolutely, you know, always probably the probably one of the most exciting divisions. You'll you know once you do our previews, you know, we'll 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 tell you why. Um, all right, the NBA. Let's go to the NBA hardwood for a second. Um, the Bulls. The Bulls look look pretty good. I mean. Look, they had a tough one against the they lost one against the Kings a couple of days ago. They actually play the Lakers tonight, who I, I'm sure LeBron and AD will probably not be in a very good mood because they lost the Spurs last night. But uh, <laughs> what do you think about the Bulls so far and then this uh, West Coast road trip? Uh, you, you have to be encouraged by them uh, coming back from 20-point deficit the other night to beat the Portland Trail Blazers. Of course, Portland's one of the premier teams in the West, one of the premier teams in the league. So Zach Levine, as we talked about all season long, looking even though we're a few weeks in now, it seems like he wants to be the man for this team. We all know that he can score the ball, but defensively, he's not there yet. But see, it seems to me like he wants to get better defensively, become a two-way player. And that's great to see from one of your young stars on the team. I'm using stars as an air quote for those listening exclusively on the podcast, using the air quotes there. <laughs> but uh, the, and also, shout out to Kobe White. You, you mentioned a Sacramento loss on Wednesday. He had 36 points, no turnovers, and seven assists. I like the way this young man is coming out uh, and being aggressive, but he still has a lot of work to do. As I said a couple of weeks ago, I'm not going to throw in the uh, throw out the baby with the bath water. I think that's how the phrase goes uh, as far as him being a playmaker. It's still going to take some time, but I didn't expect him to be John Stockton and lead the league in assists. That's not going to happen. But I, I, I think you can start to see some improvement in his game. I compare him to young Gilbert Arenas. He's an assassin. He's a scorer. He can not only shoot the ball, but he can attack the bat. So you saw that if you pay attention closely in that loss at, uh, at Sacramento on Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, look, the fights, that's what I, that's why I love with this, this Bulls team. They, they, they fight. This is a fight. Mm-hmm. Nina has fight. I think, I think that's, that's indicative of their coach. Cause remember he, you know, growing up, you know, you know, in New York and also to, you know, playing at Providence. I mean, look, they, you know, he heard mm-hmm. all from, you know, not being, you know, not being big enough, you know, you're too small and such. So I think, I think he's, I think Billy Davis framed that, that uh, attitude toward his players. And I think they're, I think they were responding. They were down, I think, like, like 25 points against against Portland. They they, they could have, you know, you know, ran around, you know, and, and, and crawled under a rock, but they didn't. And I think, look, you're going to – look, I think you're going to see this a big fight from this Bulls team. They will, will they win all of it? No. Will they win, like, 50-some games? You know, doubtful, probably. But they're going to fight – you're going to get a fight from them and you know, you're not, they're not going to be pushovers anymore. I think that's going to be, that's the message I think they're going to, they're going to want to send to the rest of the league. Look, we're not going to be pushovers anymore. Yeah. And this is what we expected when head coach Billy Donovan was hired. Uh, it's the difference between his coaching style and Jim Borland's coaching style, who's now part of Portland organization. Go figure that. <laughs> but this is what we expected to see from this young squad. Who's going to stay, who's going to go, or who can respond to this challenge from, Coach Donovan, and I, the the thing that the Bulls still need to work on is their defense. And you saw it uh, at Sacramento on Wednesday night. I think Stacy King pointed it out on the Bulls broadcast on NBC Sports Chicago. Remember when Buddy Hill hit the three to put the Kings up by yeah. four, I believe. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. and we talked about the Bulls, uh, their lack of defense on the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Wendell Carter Jr. did not step out far enough to to give a heat check to Buddy Hill. We all know that Buddy Hill 
I know many of you don't don't watch Sacramento Kings basketball, but I watched enough to know that Buddy Hill, especially if you watched him in college at Oklahoma from a few years ago, he could pop it at any time. And I said, ooh, if he hits this three, it's going to be trouble. Guess what happened? Wendell Carter Jr. didn't close out good enough. Mm-hmm. Buddy Hill hit the three. And then, of course, Halliburton hit the three-pointer from the left corner. I'm not going to say it wasn't a lucky shot, but as soon as that ball went in, you knew that game was over. So a couple of defensive lapses down the stretch at Sacramento. Uh, hurt the Bulls at the end. They should be a two and all on this road trip, but they're instead one and one on this road trip. The one thing I'm looking forward to see this weekend's games against the Lakers and the Clippers, as you mentioned, Lakina, will they show this fight? Will they be competitive against the two, the two best teams in the West, perhaps the two best teams in the league? Will they be competitive? But they got to put it all together for 48 minutes. And, that ha- and they haven't been able to do that yet. And I think it's, I think it's going to take them time. Exactly. I think they'll, I think they'll get mm-hmm. there though, but I think this is where you'll see what you have, who you want to build around so that maybe perhaps next season yeah. what you probably will want to contend for the Eastern conference. I think you can kind of maybe perhaps maybe impress a potential free agent. Maybe if you want to get a draft pick, you know, a Kate Cunningham or mm-hmm. somebody like that, you know, I think, look, I think Bulls fans, I think Bulls fans are excited, but I think they're cautiously excited, if that makes any sense. <laughs> exactly. You started to see signs of baby steps, as we uh, said before the season started. Absolutely. So, but, but I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Look, the defense needs a little mm-hmm. bit of work. We know this. <laughs> so, but uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for what, what's to come from this Bulls team. Been a long, first time in a long time. <laughs> yeah. All right, now as overall, what, you know, in the NBA, what has impressed you so far? Who or what team? Let's talk about Thursday's game, Lakina. Did you catch the Denver Dallas game? <laughs> I did, I did, I did, I did. I, we did. <laughs> I, I, I know, as we said, it was going to take a couple of weeks for most of these guys to uh, get their um, feet wet, as you will, because of the short layoff between the bubble and the and the start of the season on Christmas. But I was very entertained by that uh, Dallas-Denver game. Uh, this, to me, this was the best game from start to finish this season in the NBA. I know we're still a couple of weeks in, but I was entertained from start to finish. Luka Doncic, as I picked to be my MVP, he scored 38 points, 9 rebounds, and 13 assists. Nikolai Jokic, had 38 points with 11 rebounds and four assists as the Mavericks defeated the Denver Nuggets on Thursday, 124 to 117 in overtime. Uh, Jokic hit that game tying shot from the left baseline to send it into overtime. Uh, I, I was just impressed by both teams. I know Denver struggled to come out the, coming out of the game to start the season. Sort of Dallas too, to a lesser extent, but it was great, entertaining basketball to watch on Thursday. Yeah, this was a very exciting game. I actually caught, like, the tail end of it. Um, Jamal Murray kind of struggled a little bit. I mean, Jokic Mm -hmm. led the the Nuggets with 38. But, you know, Luka Doncic is showing you why he could probably very well end up, you know, knocking Giannis off the MVP thresholds. We'll see what happens. I mean, he kind of had a, you know, he sat a couple games, including the game against the Bulls last week. But I think, you know, now that he's back, I think we'll see more of the Luka that we know and love. As a whole, though, for a team for me, I have to say Phoenix. Having CP3 mm-hmm. there, having CP3 there, you know, 
to kind of like be kind of like a mentor to some of these young guys like Devin Booker and you know some of the other young guys on the team. I think also Monty Williams is a, you know, a great coach. They drained 21 threes to beat Toronto a couple of days ago. So that, yeah. that, you know, that alone, I think, is very impressive. And I think the discipline, too. And if you're a Bulls fan, you hope it gets to that point that now we have a competent coaching staff. So, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm right. I mean, but now but I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'll, look, I'm, I'm, look, will they, you know, hang on? You know, but look, you got the yeah, both LA teams sort of nipping at their heels. Look, I think they'll be right there for, you know, a playoff spot. Will they get those top four seeds? Who knows? But we'll see. I'm liking what I'm seeing from Phoenix so far. Yeah, they lead the conference with six wins and two losses as of this recording. And, and speaking of Los Angeles Lakers, looking at they are six and three right now. As we mentioned, they'll take on the Bulls on Friday. We'll give you the ugly stats and sights and sounds on on our next episode. But I was watching. Speaking of Lakers, I was watching that game on Thursday against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, I'm not gonna say they didn't want it, but. San Antonio, uh, I watched the entire fourth quarter via my computer. <laughs> and and uh, San Antonio, has, who has actually been playing great lately, of course, they faced the Lakers uh, last week. And they were very competitive, and they were very competitive on the road on Thursday. They made uh, some key baskets, thanks to DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge. Those veterans really came through. They had some big rebounds, uh, thanks to Rudy Gay, who's still hanging around for, for some reason. So I think for the Lakers, we all expected this to happen. Just mm-hmm. win you enough games, manage the Stars minutes, i.e. LeBron James, i.e. Anthony Davis throughout the season, because when the second half of the schedule comes out in March, this is the, this will be the time for both of those guys and your other veterans who have been uh, hampered with injuries to get healthy to uh, prepare yourselves for a, hopefully a long playoff run. So the, the Lakers getting out to a 10-0 star because they had the shortest offseason between the bubble and the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, like I wasn't expecting them. I know people were expecting them to be like 11-0 or 12-0 or something like that, you know, or 9-0 in this case by this time. But I don't think, like I said, I, like I, said, I don't see it happening either. I mean, look, I, look, you're going to see the Braun AD take games off, you know, from time to time, especially, like you mm-hmm. said, once we get to the latter part of the season. We're going to see it with Kawhi and, and the Clippers and the guys there. And, you know, it, 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 look, it is what it is. I mean, it was a short season. You know, these guys play well into, you know, deep into the bubble. So it, it, it's okay. It, well, it's fine. I think people need to kind of, you know, not freak out. <laughs> when you see, like, somebody lose, okay, you know, the, the Lakers lost to the Spurs. Okay. You know, it's, yeah. like, it, 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 it's going to happen. So, but I will say, though, the team I am very worried about is the Raptors. Yeah. I don't know if it's because that, you know, they're not playing in Toronto. They're still kind of adjusting to having to play their home game, home games in Tampa. But I'm a, I, I've been lobbying for this team and now I'm looking like a dummy here, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> they've been, they've been struggling and I, they've given yeah. up a lot of points and I, I, I don't know what to think at this point. Yeah, I'm kind of at a loss for words for Toronto as well, but hopefully let's give them another week or two if they're still struggling, then they'll have some major problems. But one game, one game I'm looking forward to this weekend, uh, it actually takes place on Friday. Hopefully we can discuss this on our next episode. The improved Charlotte Hornets, even though they are three or five, they're yeah. going to face the New Orleans uh, Pelicans, Zion Williamson, LaMelo Ball. Uh, I know he's had some highlights early on in the season. He had a couple during the preseason, but it looks like Michael Jordan, the exec, executive, actually might have a competitive team this year. 
I don't know if they'll sneak it into their playing tournament, but it looks like that's going to be one of the uh, young, exciting teams to watch. Yeah, I, look, I like what I'm seeing from Charlotte so far. I mean, look, maybe Gordon Hayward didn't look like an idiot when he went, took, you know, went with the money and you know, <laughs> went to Charlotte. I mean, maybe he doesn't look silly anymore. But, you know, but look, I'm liking what I'm seeing for Char from Charlotte. Cleveland they had a nice start, but they've fallen back a little bit. Um, Brooklyn, I know people are worried about Brooklyn. You know, they've won a couple in a row, but then, you know. Yeah, so big win over Philadelphia on Thursday. That was huge. And, uh, you know, Kyrie and some of the stuff that's going on there. We won't talk, but we won't, we won't have time to talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about it in the next uh, pod. But uh, <laughs> New, New York's won three in a row. I mean, you know, look, I mean, I, I want to warn everybody. I know Tibbs, you know, I know Tibbs has, you know, got their guys playing right now. But, mm -hmm. you know, the same thing with the Bulls. And look what happened. So, I'm just going to warn everybody in, <laughs> in that front. Uh, Boston, you know. They've mm -hmm. been playing well, although they've had a couple of guys test positive for COVID, so that's going to be another another thing mm -hmm. that the NBA has to worry about. So, but so far, I think it's it's been pretty good. You know, NBA first three weeks of the season for the NBA. What do you think? Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. Is is a you're starting to see better play from some of these teams, and hopefully, uh, we'll see better games like we did on Thursday with Dallas and Denver is going to be more competitive. And hopefully teams start to get into a rhythm. We'll see better basketball. So hopefully we'll see that in the next coming days and weeks ahead. Uh, absolutely. So um, to finish up, um, you know, for, you know, the NBA's schedule before we you know, go uh, rapid fire here. Um, I'm, I'm looking, look, I'm looking forward to, I want to wait, wait and see like what some of these teams and when these players are going to do with the next week or two. I mean, look, I, I know I freaked out about Toronto, but I'm hoping they can get it together mm -hmm. within the next week or two because that then I'll probably start worrying, but we'll see. Yeah, um, we'll see. All right, uh, college hoops, right quick. Villanova's had to post, had to uh, postpone a couple more games because they're having COVID issues. Penn State in their game against Michigan for tomorrow has been postponed due to COVID. Uh, Pittsburgh, you know, they were supposed to be playing Florida State, but now that game's been postponed due to COVID issues. Um, uh, the Atlanta got a nice win against Northwestern last night. Yeah. A big comeback win. Um, you know, what, what's your question about the college hoops and what, what, if, you know, what games, if, you, if, any, are, if any, are you looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, give props to the fighting Atlanta. And like you said, they had a big comeback win against Northwestern the other night. I'm more concerned about Northwestern. I think their Big Ten work is back at 500 now, I believe, yep. at 3-3. Three and three. Yep. It uh, looks like Illinois, they're starting to um, build some momentum. I like uh, Coffee, uh, um, Cokeburn, I'm, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I don't call him. I just call him Coffee. I call AO AO. I'm not. I'm not even gonna yeah. try to the last name. <laughs> you start to see. You start to see his game come around uh, in the paint a little bit. As hopefully he starts to take that next step. Io, that point guard. I, I, I like. Yeah, I like him as well. So I, we'll see if Illinois can take that next step. Northwestern, I'm really concerned about. Yeah. Illinois outscored them 56 to 13 in that second half. It was total domination, and so we'll see if Illinois can take the next step, perhaps become that uh, big, uh, that big time team in the Big Ten. I did catch a little bit of this game last Sunday, even though football was going on. In Michigan, our guy Jawan Howard, Chicago's very, very own, they destroyed Northwestern uh, uh -huh. up there in the Chrysler Arena. Woo. Oh yeah, that yeah, that was. I think I think Northwestern. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. I don't know. I saw a little bit of that game, and mm -hmm. it looks like Northwestern's kind of coming back to earth a little bit. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe you know, maybe so, but who knows? They got a Illinois got a, a tough one against Maryland this you know on Sunday, so we'll see what they do um, there. Uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh, 
Oklahoma and KU. That should be a good one there. Actually, our buddy Spiro Diaz will be on the call for that one as he starts his um, college hoop schedule. Um, Clemson, North Carolina. You know, Clemson's nine and one. A lot of people don't know that, but you know, this should be a tough one. They actually will actually beat uh, North Carolina for the first time in like forever last year <laughs> in Chapel Hill. So they might, you know, they might, they'll, they'll try for two in a row. So we'll see. Look um, alive. Exactly. Texas and West Virginia. That should be a good one. That's, that's a noon game on ESPN tomorrow. That should be a, that should be a fun one. Also, um, what else? Oh, Ohio State and Rutgers. That should be a good one there in the Big Ten Network. You know, both teams have kind of had their struggles lately, so we'll see what happens there down in – over in New Jersey. Um, yeah, like I said, the, the Michigan-Penn State game has been postponed. So, yeah, so, you know, I'm looking forward. This is sort of like when college who starts getting to full sweep, but now – but then COVID is becoming a big problem too. Yeah, it's just it's the issue is how many games they could get in as possible. And speak, I'm sure you and Lamont talked about this uh, on our last podcast on Monday, uh, the entire March Madness tournament for 2021. We will have it this year, but it's going to be held in the state of Indiana. And the way at least we get the tournament back. Yeah, and the way they're saying it is that you had to, you, I think you're having like all their 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 players and the you know and the coaches and all the teams, all the people there are going to have to have like six consecutive negative tests before they'll be able to come in mm-hmm. travel to Indy. So. That's something that for the teams, I'm sure the conferences will probably, you know, try to uh, organize that. They've got time to do it. And it's going to be interesting, too, because since the, the Ivy League decided not to participate this year, so that leaves mm-hmm. you know, open for another at-large. Could the Big Ten perhaps maybe see 10, 11 teams this year? You know, we'll, we'll see. Should be uh, interesting there. Also, real quick in the college football playoff, because there were some rumblings that maybe Ohio State, you know, they may ask to postpone the college uh, national championship game. Well, Ms. Heather Dennis, who does a great job covering, you know, college football for ESPN, says confirm with both schools. Game on. Bama landing in Miami at 8 p.m. Eastern time tonight. Also, Ohio State will be boarding their play tomorrow, arriving at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Speculation over, she says, repeat, game on. So that answers the question for people who thought that maybe the game will be postponed because Ohio State is still having COVID issues. But it looks like, you know, as Heather says, game on. Yeah, we all know that uh, big time sports, including college sports, uh, they're, they're, um, it's all about these uh, big TV networks. We know all of them CBS, Fox, ESPN. But these are uh, young men, kids. I know they're not kids, kids, but these are young people's lives that are at stake. And they're more important than any big agenda for any big network. So if anything should happen, we should uh, concern about those players. They're humans first. So the heck with these networks. I know everything's being driven by them, but if you don't have enough players to play, they're more important than any big agenda for any big network. Absolutely. As I always say in college sports, everybody gets paid except for the players. So Exactly. And that and that's the unfortunate part. But again, we gotta talk about that. <laughs> we gotta talk about that eventually soon because that's a yeah. big, that's been a big issue forever in college sports. So Yeah. You know, we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, a couple of uh, hockey notes there for, you know, for us, Sid. Um, Corey Crawford uh, has left the, the Devils, you know, in a definite lead of absence, absence from the club due to personal reasons. Hopefully everything's okay with him. Um, you know, uh, Doc, Doc, you know, with the Blackhawks, I mean, Jonathan Taves is going to be out. That, that's a... Mm-hmm. That's a bummer there, you know, a fracture in his arm, I think. So that that's a tough one. Also, Kirby Doc's gonna be out. He's gonna be out too yeah. for the season. So, uh, you know, a big, if, you know. Yeah, this season was, was going to be a struggle anyway. But now with those stars missing, yes, yeah. Patrick Kane is healthy, thank goodness. But it's really going to be 
potentially ugly. <laughs> yeah, and we're. Well, yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Well, look, we look. I mean, the Hawks they gotta start off playing against the defending Stanley Cup champion Lightning, so uh, that'll set the tone, I guess. But uh, well, real quick though, so before we cut the Spurs, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Football, football, football. Me, football and college hoops. And I'll check out a little bit of NBA, too. There are a couple of games, like you mentioned, Sid, that, that I watch. Yeah, those with. DVRs will be in good in good use this weekend. Oh, absolutely. And uh, my laptop will be in uh, full uh, full. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, you follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter and at Keena McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, that's SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com, for more information, uh, not only about our podcast, but we are great articles from our guys as well. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can catch this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast program from War Media that's uh, In the Scope with Josh Hicks, Running with War, uh, that Davis show, Flipping Friends, <laughs> all those podcast programming and special programming coming soon from your folks at War Media by simply searching for War on Anchor. Wherever you download your podcast, including that iHeartRadio app, make sure you type in that search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W A R R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W A R R Media. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. Like, comment, share, subscribe. Like, comment, share, subscribe, folks. Get those likes up, folks. Get them up, get them up, get them up. All yes. right, so enjoy all the games this weekend. You know, please stay safe. And look, we look as we with the events of, you know, from a couple of days ago, please be good to each other. And yes. you know, just, just, you know, just be kind to each other. I think it's, just, it, it's not worth it, folks. It just isn't. So for Sid, I'm Lakeen. This has been Second Season Sports Zoom style. You guys stay safe, wash your hands, and we'll see you Monday. Till next time, holla!